That's how you do it. All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, sitting down with uh, Matt Herkstroder because uh, a couple other folks bailed tonight. Matt's the alternate. No, <laughs> bunch of wusses. They yeah. had more important things to do, I guess. Apparently, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a. We're we're fully in summer now. We were ice fishing. Not one month ago, we were ice fishing and. Uh, I was ice fishing two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's, you know, getting, it, 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 like, it was like 85 here the other day. Yeah. Or, super warm. Super warm. Yeah. And that's, now it's cooled off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, today it's, it's, it's kind of nice. Like, yeah, it's comfortable. Yeah. Much above. It's funny. We'll be bitching and complaining about freaking cold weather. Oh, this winter's taking forever to thaw out. And then, yeah, once it, like, once it came, it came and all of a sudden it's 80 degrees and we're taking shelter. I am glad it didn't. We didn't have a, I thought it was going to, well, we are having some flooding going on, but I think a lot of floods from the higher hills melt. Yeah. But around here, I actually thought it was going to flood just because I thought it was going to melt quick. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a little but, bit worse of a breakup than it was. It was, yeah. seemed like, I mean, a pretty, overall, a pretty normal. normal. Yeah. The, it past, wasn't the past couple of years have been weird, but, you know, this was like a pretty normal pushing, rivers pushing ice for a few days and coming up and like they've, yeah, I think. And I don't think we were really far behind, like off track. No, I it, mean, what was it like the 28th or so? Like. Seems like right about average that last week of April's when the river, when the Tanama usually yeah. goes anyway. But yeah, onto the busy time of the year, already freaking cutting firewood. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did some firewood was, cutting this winter, so I I got a start. But now was that a firewood cutting ahead or was it cutting from behind? For you? It started out cutting from behind. Yeah, when you tell the kids to let you know when you're getting low in firewood, <laughs> and when they come in and say. We have like eight pieces left. I, that's, <laughs> yeah. not, that's not telling me too much. In it's advance. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> now it's all all of a sudden panic, and now I'm buying wood and whatever. Oh man, I, I did that for a few rounds. I had to buy. I bought a few truckloads, and then and then I was like, all right, I got to go cut wood. And then I started hauling it out of the woods with my sled. And yeah, just, what do you think? What do you think is easier? Because there's definitely two trades of thought. Like I, I'm a more of a summer, summer to like September cutting standing deads guy, but there's pl- like a lot of people that will uh, prefer to like say think it's easier to cut and haul out in the winter. Yeah, you're you're like my dad. He he's went with me in the winter before when we could actually even drive to where we were cutting. Yeah, and he hated it. And he's just like, I, this is a waste of time. I'd rather do it in the summer. And my thought on it is I prefer winter, but I sweat like crazy. So in the summer, it's worse. So I'm yeah. just like, I'd rather do it when it's, I mean, I don't want to go out when it's 20 below zero. But when it gets around that zero or warmer, I don't mind doing it. Now, trudging through the snow, depending where you're cutting, sometimes can be a pain, but... But also, like, you typically aren't dealing with the ground under the logs. You fall, and, you know, bucking them up into lengths is, you know, a little easier on it, your chain probably, huh? It, it is, you know, but, and it depends. I, sometimes I don't like doing lengths. Like, when I haul them with my sled, I do because it's easier that way. 
But if I can drive my truck close to where I'm at, I, just, I don't like lengths because you got to carry. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Them. They're hard to manhandle, yeah. you know. And I don't know. I in my in my thing too for in the summer. Why I don't like doing it? It's already busy. Yeah, we're busy all the time. Yep. And like me, I I'm pretty much heating with wood. I mean, oh, I got us, yeah, us too. It's like pretty much have to, and it's like I just got other things I'd rather be doing in the summer than cutting and cutting my firewood mm-hmm. or at least if i can have it cut and all i gotta do is split it and stack it yeah or something in the summer i don't mind that so much especially now that the kids can do a bunch of that send them outside just yeah. don't don't count on to tell you when you're out yeah no my <laughs> are getting mine close are, to be mine are four and two right now so we get a little bit before they're going to be very very useful but <laughs> i'll definitely keep that in mind keep well the other night so my daughter last night, not to throw her under the bus, but she got a lesson in changing flat tires because on mom's truck, the apparently Dylan says, oh, we walked by that the other day and Sissy says that the the tire was hissing because <laughs> I went to work and the tire's flat. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so you didn't think to tell me or anything? And. So last night I was like, you know, she's 16. So I'm like, all right, you're going to be driving and stuff. I was like, you need to learn. You, you're not going to be one of these people that don't know how to change a flat tire. Yep. So I, she, of course, she rolled her eyes and whatever. But we went out and I was like, you learn how to change a flat tire. It's not that hard. You know? So jacked it up, did the whole thing. <laughs> Acting like you're sticking her with a hot iron or something. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, afterwards she was like, oh, this wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, it's not that bad. No. But, yeah, I, th- I found a bolt. There was a bolt in that tire. Huh. I ended up taking two plugs. It took two plugs to fill the hole. Oh, and been, it's holding there. It's there. Not, it's not leaking. So I told my wife, I said, well, you just, you let it. Before, Keep an eye on it. Be- I mean. Before I finally put new tires on this truck last year, I, uh, I had all, f- there were, multiple plugs in all four tires and I, I had to air up all like three of the four every day but i was like oh i gotta go i didn't want to spend the money on it. Oh, i gotta go get some new tires and ended up getting freaking swindled into spending way you know more money than i it's a nice it's a way nicer set of tires than i wanted to put on that but freaking around truck tires are expensive man oh, i know well we were talking about that last winter because i ended up Having to get tires for mine and Lisa's, and it was like, oh. and then we ended up selling hers because the training went out, and it was like we just got rid of it. Here, yeah, here we, we had like three hundred miles on these brand new tires that I just bought. Yeah, you know, and it was I don't know, they they are expensive. Like my little pickup, that little two wheel drive I've got, mm-hmm. I bought just Walmart specials for that thing because I did, I put like minimal amount of money into that thing, and it needed tires. And it's two-wheel drive, too. Oh, yeah. A lot of times, I, I used to drive in the winter, but I don't too much anymore, because I can't get up and down my driveway with it. But uh, I had the breakdown, and I just bought Walmart specials. They were like 60 bucks a piece oh, or 70 man, yeah, bucks a piece. Pretty- <laughs> but they're not good tires. Like, just to drive on a gravel road, and you're going to get a hole in one. Yeah. You know? So I fixed those multiple times. Then I had one, they were like, well, we can't fix it. It's junk. So I had to buy another one. You know, and 
just, I don't know, it's irritating. You get what you pay for with a lot of these tires, though. Yeah, like, you, you do. Mean, those tires that I got on my truck now, I've had, that's the third set of those I've had, and I love them. Like, I wish I could get a little more miles out of them, but they're durable. I mean, yeah. I've never had issues with them. No, I've been pretty happy with these, uh, like, BF Goodrich all-terrain, all-terrain ones. All-terrain, that- yeah. That's what Costco had in stock or whatever. So I see quite a few trucks running oh, around yeah, town with them right are. now. There's a lot of them. But they're pretty good. Been pretty good tires. But, yeah. Well, pretty the cool. amount of miles we drive up here, too, that's the kicker to me or how I weigh it. I'm like, on the vehicle that you're going to be using, at least, mm-hmm. if you're going to be driving it all over, I mean, who wants to, you might as well just get some good tires and. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, some people swap back and forth between, like, studs, and I guess, like, if you're just, if you got a two-wheel drive car or something, that makes sense. I, I would way rather just get, like, tires like these and use them year-round. Yeah, we used to do that on Lisa's Yukon. We would, we had summer tires, and then she had winter blizzacks. But one year, basically, both sets were wore out, and it was kind of like, I had to buy a new set, and then that spring, I had to buy another set for summer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you're you're trying to keep two sets of tires going, so I just eventually we just switched and went to one. Got one good tire for summer and winter. Just left them on there. <clears throat> yeah, be, I think seemed that, to be a better system, and that's what I've always done on my pickup. I've never put different tires on. I just get a tire that works good for both and call it good. Yeah, you know? yeah, I think that's a way to go. Maybe Freaking, stuff's just expensive, man. Everything nickels and dimes. You try to save up your money for fun stuff. I'm, I know. Well, that's, we were talking about buying vehicles. You know, that's why I didn't want to go get a loan on a vehicle. I was like, I'm just gonna wait for that deal. And I found one. Yep. You know, finally, you know, and it was worth the wait because now I don't have a payment. Mm-hmm. So. I'd way rather do that because it does. It leaves more money for fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and now, yeah, now's definitely the time. And fun stuff costs a lot of money too. Yeah, fun so. stuff does cost a lot of money. <laughs> and you need a lot of things for fun stuff. You need a lot. <laughs> oh, believe me. I hear it from Lisa all the time. You Can, know? Oh, you, what? You got to get that too now? Well, yeah. <laughs> does she ever go around, can we get rid of any of this stuff? No, because typically when I get rid of something or replace it with something else, oh, <laughs> it's like when I was talking to Temple tonight, that's what I basically told him, you know, I was like, well, I got to get rid of this before I get that. So, you know. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting set up with the old mud motor kit, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've been wanting to do that for like two years and I've just been looking and looking and looking for boats and so that'll be pretty sweet. I just want something smaller than my big boat. You know, so I get the small boat into places I yeah I can't take the big boat because that that's the problem with a inboard. They're just they limit you a little bit, I think. Oh yeah, and you don't want to stick them for sure. And they're expensive. I mean, yeah, with fuel and everything. I mean, it cost me a couple hundred bucks on a weekend. Well, I mean, I thought I because for years, you know, you look at this, you know, support the SGXs, Port Johns, Extreme Shallows, stuff like that. It's like, man, the things I could do with that boat. But then I start, you know, reason, more recently, I'm thinking like, man, my little junker flat bottom doesn't really cost that much to maintain. No. It's good on fuel, you know, like you have major problems with those boats. Freaking cost a lot of money. They do. If you got, if you got the money, more power to you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just, that, I find myself using it less and less, you know, and I'm just, 
if this little boat works out and I ended up using it way more, I may even sell my big boat just yeah. because I. it's hard to justify. And the problem is, too, is if you're not using it, it's like anything that sits. It's like yep. this year. I got two years out of the batteries that are in my boat. This year, I can't get them to take a charge. They're junk. Yeah. There's a couple hundred bucks. Easily. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like. Cost you even more money when you just leave stuff sitting. Yeah. You know. You're talking about your uncle rebuilding carburetor and all that. I mean, those carbs, all them O-rings and seals and all. If you're not using them, that stuff goes bad over time. Just yep. sitting, you know, it dry rots. And, and it's the same story every year. You get the boat out. I take it to the river, back it in, fire it up, if it does fire up, you know, and then you're like, there's always something. Blower motor doesn't work. It's seized up because it's got corrosion in it or you got a bad electrical connection. Or, yeah. It's it's the same story every year. I get sick of it. I'm like. I've been pretty spoiled. Well, since I bought this new motor, I've been, it's been. But oh, I know, I know the feeling. You know what I mean? My, before I, you know, before my old motor crapped out on me, um, yeah, every year it's like, all right, what's going to be going on? It was so bad to the point where it's like every trip, I'm just like, all right, what's going to be yeah. going on? What's going to go wrong next? <laughs> well, and you know how it is too. You want rely, you want it to be reliable. Yep. And that's what I need to do on mine. Is there's some things I need to do on it, but it's all like expensive stuff. Yeah. And I'm thinking. Do I want to throw a couple grand at this and for what? A month that I use it? You know, an actual time? Oh, I don't yeah. use it as much as I used to. I mean, I take it to Valdez and all that. I mean, I haven't been to Valdez with my boat in like eight years probably. Man. Yeah, it's uh, – and, and those mud motors too, like – I mean, obviously, like Temple's kind of the guy for that, but I, I think I I think they would take a little getting used to, but they, oh, they seem would. super. They're, like, I mean, what you know, for the horsepower, it seemed like the performance you get out of them is pretty dang good. And I don't think they're ideal for everything. Like with those setups, like he's got, there's no reverse. There's there's some things like you would have definitely be having to get used to. Mm-hmm. But I, my reasoning is they're simple. Yeah, they are. They're simple. And if you got that out in the middle of nowhere, it's easy to fix. It's easy to work on. When there's on. fewer things to go wrong, yeah. fewer things and, that and, will and go and wrong. Yeah. And they can be cheaper. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying they're still not totally super cheap, but they're it's cheaper than an outboard. They're not an $11,000 Yamaha outboard yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And I'm doing I'm doing mine on a budget. You know, I'm not I'm not going all out. I just want somewhat small, lightweight. Simple to work on. Mm-hmm. I know it's not going to be able to haul piles of weight and all this stuff, and it's not fast. They're not that fast. No. I mean, so there's definitely drawbacks to it, but I don't know. This will be the only one I've ever had. So, I mean, once I get it together, hopefully by midsummer I can have this thing done. You'll be, and you'll be calling for a rescue, huh? I might. <laughs> I, I could be calling for a rescue with my big boat. At least a parts delivery because, you know. I had to have that that happen one year out there in the Tanana. <sighs> Broke down three o'clock in the morning. Been there. That was the time. I don't know if I ever even told you that story. Whenever I, I just I was like, I'll just we'll throw the anchor out, and I'll, it, it acted like a fuel issue. Oh, was that the, the one where the fuel the um, tree come down and was wedged against my anchor line in my boat, oh, and the bow was yeah. Porperson? Yeah. Out in the middle of the Tanana, 
high water. There's just trees. This is like a 40 or 50 foot spruce tree. We had the root wad and the whole nine yards on it that fell off the bank, you know? Yep. I had, I had probably 200 foot of rope out on my anchor just to get the anchor to set. Mm-hmm. And I got the cowling up. I'm back there pulling the oil or the water separator off the fuel fuel lines and I'm because I thought it was a fuel starvation issue mm-hmm. and I thought maybe I gulped a bunch of water sucked a bunch of water in or something in the fuel and I'm back there and that was Dylan had his uh Dylan was with us and then my wife's friend's son he shot his first bear mm-hmm. we had his bear on the boat and uh yeah that nobody's happy <laughs> <laughs> no, and we're out in the middle of the river. I had no kicker. I didn't have a kicker on the yeah. boat. We had a set of paddles, you know. That's why I just decided to throw the anchor out, and I figured I could get it running, and then we'll just keep heading in, and, you yep. know. Well, I'm laying down back there, and all of a, I feel this bump on the boat, and I look up, and there's this 40-foot tree across the bow, the anchor line, <laughs> and the front of the boat's just kind of doing this, and we drug anchor, fortunately, because Instead it's just, of just yanking the bow down. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's no getting the rope out from under it. So I ended up cutting the rope. So I lost my anchor, all my rope out in the middle of the river, gone. Now we're just drifting, no power. All I got is two paddles. <laughs> and the water's high. Like it's, there's sweeper central yeah, all over and, the place. And even a little, even a little like 16 foot boats, a pain in the ass with paddles. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the not 20 much f- a big inboard. Yeah, yeah, 20 foot inboard trying to paddle that thing around and maneuver it. It's not very easy, especially if you're trying to get to shore. Yeah. You know, you may be able to maneuver a little bit, but so, yeah, there was a bend in the river. I knew there was a bad spot down river and the current goes right through all the sweepers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so we, I, I told Nathan, he was with us and I said, we're going to, we're going to paddle. We get a paddle right now, and we'll get into the first stretch of that bend. And I said, we got one chance. I said, if we miss it, we're going right into the sweepers. And the sweep sweepers, for people who don't know, are basically trees that are hanging out over the river off the bank. Yeah. Like, as the bank erodes, and erodes the dirt underneath trees, they'll tip over and be hanging out, like, parallel to the water, basically. Yeah. yeah. Basically, they can flip your boat or, I mean... Rip their cover Rip, off. Top and, off. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple things that can happen, but you just don't want to be in them. No. You know, whether it's a raft, a canoe, a yeah, jet boat, anything. anything, you just don't want to be in them. So, yeah, I was able to, I said, there's a there's an opening, and I said, we're going to go for that little opening. And I said, once we get close enough, you know, I had some short rope in there for tying off the boat and whatever. And I said... I'm going to throw you that rope. You jump for the bank. I'm going to throw you that rope. We got to get tied off if we can get that close. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do it. Then I'm on the phone calling my buddy back in town at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> hoping he answers the phone. Cause I, I wanted to bring some fuel because I, I've got a bow tank and then a rear tank mm-hmm. and, I had ran all the fuel out of the bow tank, and this started, this happened. Wasn't that a fuel pump? Because I remember you telling me it was a fuel pump issue, like it didn't have the power to pump the fuel for Yeah, there. so it was. it's a mechanical fuel pump, rides on a cam lobe, yeah. and the arm that comes off the fuel pump was war. And so, out of the bow tank, the pump didn't have to work as hard because it's, it's gravity feeding a little bit out of the bow tank, mm-hmm. but out of the back tank, 
because it ran fine on the bow tank, but I ran it out of fuel on the bow. So I switched to the rear tank. Well, out of the rear tank, it act, that pump is doing all the work. It has to pump all the fuel out. Mm-hmm. And because that armature was war, it didn't. Ha- it couldn't pump it enough. It was there was not enough motion going on with the within that mechanical pump to pump the fuel. So I was starving it for fuel. Gotcha. So he brought me down 15 gallons of fuel. I dumped it in the bow tank, fired it up, and it ran like a top all the way back. But it, it took me later on that week to actually find the problem. I still yeah. didn't find it that night, but it was. Yeah. At least you didn't have, have to do the whole river boaters walk of shame that getting towed out. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't. I, did, I don't like towing Oh, it's towing scary. It's scary, especially not... especially when it's your boat being towed and you're, like, looking at sweepers and stuff, and that's boats, you know, what, 50, because you, you got to have them far enough behind that you're jet washing and, and, yeah. you know, out of your pump's not going to get in the boat, but then you have two rope too long that it's going to trail a little bit, and there was a couple. The la- was it not the last time? The time before that, my dad's had to tow me out twice. The first time, it was a long, a pretty long ride, and man, there was a few, there's a few of them logs that are sticking up out of the water at like a 45 degree perfect ramp angle. That I'm like, please don't let that boat swing around and catch, like go flying up over that. But uh, well, and that's the thing with that too, just so people know, when you don't have power with your boat, you don't have any steering. Yeah, exactly. So you're just basically at the mercy of wherever you're getting drug yeah. at that point, you know. Yep. And that's what's always bad about a boat. And this has been years ago. A friend of mine had a, has a cabin up to Salter, his, his uh, dad and uncle. And we used to do a lot of ri- riding up there on boats. And I was like right out of high school. And his dad would let him take the boat, you know. And I get this call and he's like, hey, so-and-so's boats high and dry and you'll know who i'm talking about but i ain't gonna mention their name um they uh they come around this bend in the river the story was they were looking behind them blah 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 but i know that wasn't what was going on but they hit this cut bank and they launched this 21 foot war ridge inboard up this cut cut bank and it was back in the woods probably (laughs) 30 or 40 feet (laughs) High and dry. High and dry. <laughs> and so we got called to come up there and try to rescue him, you know. And so we went up and Buddy's dad's boat. And, you know, we're hearing the story. And we're thinking they're on the sandbar or the yeah, bar yeah. or something. We come around this bend in the river. And all you see is this maroon boat top out in the trees. <laughs> I've got pictures of that. And I was just like. Are you kidding me? I'm like, how in the heck? I mean, and this cut bank's not a small cut bank. I mean, it's probably four foot tall, maybe Jeez. maybe five. <clears throat> we had chainsaw winches. We drove like these steel pilings out into the river to try to come winch along off, and winch yeah. it. And we ended up having to hand dig the bank to make a ramp because we didn't want to break the jet pump off the back of the boat. You know, it's an inboard, so it's yep. not like we can just flip the motor up or anything. Yep. I mean, we spent like two days there doing this. It was a goat rope. <laughs> no, you know? I, that reminds me, and maybe someday I'll be able to get, I don't know if I want, I, I need to get my Uncle Tracy and Jerry and my dad all on the same one, because I don't know whose version of the story I would rather hear, <laughs> maybe all at the same time. 
Right, by Uncle Tracy. The way the story was told to me is by my Uncle Jerry, who's always like, oh, yep, after the river breaks, you know, you got to give it, give it a few days to a week to go, you know, run. And it, like in this speech, you know, this is when I was first starting to run a riverboat. Every time he'd give me that speech, it's followed by the story how my Uncle Tracy decided the day after breakup or whatever, or, you know, after the ice broke, to go take his big inboard down the Tanana and... I can't remember. It was down one way, but he went one way and was coming back the other. And uh, apparently, there's an ice jam that was holding water in this channel because, I guess, in a very short period of time, all the water disappeared. <laughs> and he was at like a hundred yards from any floatable water out off the end of China Ridge. So my uncle said, my uncle Tracy or Jerry said that he gets a call from some guy. <laughs> hey, there's a guy who got his boat like across the river from his house you know this guy got his boat stuck he was yelling said give me your number said call you you'd know what to do <laughs> and oh i get and then i get your i think it was I, i'm getting the versions mixed up but i think jerry's version still as he pulls up and Tracy's standing on the back says not a fucking word <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course, they'd get logs and drive pile, you know, drive rebar and get the boat up on the logs and come along. And they eventually did get it back to the river, but yeah, and that's a big boat too. Yeah, them them big boats are not fun getting off the gravel bars. I'm, and that's kind of why I want a littler boat. I just running that bigger boat. There, you're especially on rivers you're not familiar with. It's a constant, like pucker factor a little bit because oh. you're like you know you're always on edge you, you're never comfortable driving because you're like always looking for the right channels and the right oh, well even you know like certain s- stretches of like the yukon or the tanana you know the tanana especially you know certain stretches of it it's like you, you know it's very tough to read it's like wide and expansive but there's all these little mini channels that yep. it's very tough to see what's going on and read the water until you're on it yeah, until you're on it, and then it's like, oh shit, took the late. wrong one. Took the wrong one, and then you know you try to, you know, try to stay on step and turn around, and you know yeah. what you what you thinks you know four feet of water is like one foot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a, I got a story when my parents were living in Talkeetna. I'd take the boat down there, and one year I was like, oh, I want to run the Talkeetna. I've never ran the Talkeetna River, so put the boat in. We were going to go fish up at I forget that. There's a creek that comes in up there. Yeah, I, I can't. Know. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a decent spot to fish, I think. And we were gonna just try there. And it was in the spring, so I think it was a little early anyway. And the water was a little higher than, you know, there was still some melt coming out of the mm-hmm. mountains. It was in June, and uh, not familiar with the river at all. And same deal. I get caught up in this. Take this channel. I think's the main channel, and I go up it and. It just gets narrower and narrower, and I'm like, there is no turning around. Yeah. And it's like, fortunately, I made it out the other side. Mm-hmm. It was a big kind of like log jam type thing where yeah. you had some braids, and I made it back out into the main channel. Well, I took a mental note. I was like, all right, on the way back down, I need to stay to the right because I, I wasn't in the main channel, yeah. even though I made it through. So And going up, like... And- and that's a whole other thing is going upstream versus downstream down, you know, 
Yeah. It is different. Well, just the way the water looks is different. And you you have to be going so much faster downstream, you know, with yeah. the current stand step to have control. But yeah. Anyway. So anyway, yeah, we went up. Well, there's the, the canyon. There's the, they call it the canyon. I didn't know any better. I'm like, eh, my boat will run through that. Well, yeah. it's high water. I get up inside this thing. And I mean, it's, it, if I knew what I know now, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have done it without having some knowledge. Yeah. And I go up in there and I'm like, decided to just hug. It kind of made a, you go up in it and then it, there, I mean, it's rock walls kind of on the side. And I ended up going up and around the corner and right in the corner, I just felt like it was the safest spot because mm-hmm. the water was ripping. I mean, like it's, it was rough and I get about, I don't know, 20 feet, 15, 20 feet. And I'm heading straight for this boulder. And really, it was kind of too late. So I decided, well, I'd rather hit it, nail it head on rather than graze graze it or something. So I just hit it, and it literally jumped my boat almost out of the water, came back down, and I just, I bagged it at that point. And I still did something stupid that I wouldn't have done now. I just all of a sudden, immediate hard left. Cranked it. Ripper around. And, yeah. But the thing was, is I got to think after the fact, I was like, I didn't know if there was other boulders in there. I mean, if I hit a boulder as I was turning sideways in that current. Yeah. Could I mean, we could have flipped us. I mean, it could have. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't got a lot of experience running that type of, that type of water like that. Yeah. No, that stuff's, that stuff's pretty scary, man. Like big rocks. Yeah. You know, you can, you know, gravel bars, it would be free and stick it on a gravel bar whoop de doo you know, like not a big deal. But when, when big, sharp rocks are involved, yeah. all of a sudden you could have, you know, a Titanic moment there. Yeah. Well, we, I've, me, and, me and a couple of buddies, we, we ran the Clutina once. Well, and that lower end's rough. It's some, there's some rocks in there. You got to be, I mean, and my boat probably wasn't running as good back then as it, it runs better now. Yeah. But back then, I mean, it was kind of funny. <laughs> No, nobody would ride with me except for one guy that I worked with. <laughs> he rode with me. Everybody else rode with the other guy. Anyway, yeah, it was kind of funny, but I don't know. I man, younger and dumber back then too. I you know I don't. I, well, I think I think a little bit more about that stuff now. Well, it's funny now, and probably part of it's just because I got a pretty much brand new motor too. That I used to be like, ah, you know. Let me see if I can make it up there. Let me see if I can make it through that little channel and stuff like that. And nowadays, I'm just like, yeah, I'll just stay in the main channel and be a preferred uneventful trip. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you waste a lot of time. Oh yeah. If, if if you mess up or break something or you know. Yeah. If you, if, yeah. More than once, like sitting on a gravel bar for half a day or more, waiting for someone to bring. Like one time I was with my wife and we, I mean, pretty, like the river dropped a bunch since the last time I'd been up there and forgot about this one gravel bar, came around the bend before you know it, I'm 50 yards up on a gravel bar. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Got the boat pushed off while I, uh, and that is my old motor. I got a rock stuck in my reverse gate. And so when I went to like throw it in forward, I slipped the gears in my control box. No big deal. Taking them apart. You know, I've done that before. Took it apart. I went to like pry the the my control box part and snapped my start like my ignition switch. <laughs> and I didn't know how to hotwire it. 
So for like, you know, a $15, $30 part, I had to, luckily I had soul service, had to call, had like buy an ignition switch, have my uncle come get it and run, you know, took most of a day to come up there and, and drop it off to me for a 10 minute fix. Yep. Yeah, man, springtime. It's nice. I've, I was going to, I usually do my inaugural like maiden voyage for the spring in the, in the China here and then branch out from there but i didn't even get around to it well it, it like broke up then cleared up but there i knew there was a big ice jam way up there still and i was a little nervous and talking to frank i was like ah oh, we should go just go today you know and then uh and then sure enough it like broke loose and was slicking ice there for for a few days finally like finally i just went and threw my baits out and everything was yeah ran, ran smooth but well and that's that's what i was saying about reliability it's when you got when something you have that's you know is reliable, I'd be more. I wouldn't do too many test runs, but I yeah. every year I'm always kind of like, oh yeah, eh, I like to at least go run it just to make sure, and you know, yeah, well, because it's I mean, it's always something, and it, like if you're even new stuff a lot of times, but it's in like that those habits have carried over with this. Like I'm checking everything. Like mm-hmm. I tore the whole lower unit apart this year because. This one thing happened, like, you run a boat for very long, you get to be pretty paranoid. <laughs> yeah. I, can you imagine flying? I'm oh, like, no. Like, yeah, maybe I'm like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, maybe it's probably a good thing that I'm not a pilot. I know it is with me. I mean. I know Caleb has a lot less hair than you do. That's true. Your brother that flies. Well, we've so. been out a few times, and he's just like, yeah, we're calling it. We're, this, this, we're not, this isn't. Something's not. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily with the plane, but like weather. Yeah. Or goofy winds or something, you know, and it's just kind of like, eh, let's just, we'll fly a different day, you know. Yeah. You can Better always, safe than sorry. Yeah, but. you can always bag it and fly a different day when you're, when you survive yeah. that one. We've been, I've been out with some other buddies that fly too, that we've been out and gotten into a few little hairy situations that when I know he's stressing and he's the pilot. Yeah, I know. I need to be a little worried, <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay, let's let's think this through and do the smart thing. You yeah, know? no, I envision I envision that being like like I take like some of the situations I've been in in a boat over the years and like multiply that. <laughs> yeah, the well, consequences. At are least way... at least you're not falling out of the sky. Yeah, at least you know. <laughs> yeah, your boat. And I was, oh, one guy was telling me because I said, "Oh, you ever think about getting a plane?" Nope, because. <laughs> my motor blows up on me so yeah. i just am gonna i'm in for a long float you yeah know? i i think it'd be cool to have one but i i can't keep up with the expenses of my of my boat let alone an airplane yeah i mean i just and that's why most pilots they have an airplane yep you know they're they're not doing all this other stuff typically i mean there are guys that do but at least a lot of the guys that i know yeah they have a plane. They don't have a boat. They don't have a yeah, snow machine. Or if they do, it's a it's a junker. Yeah. You know, not the plane, but anything else. Their four-wheeler's a junker. You know, their snow machine's a junker. It's just like. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just like priorities. If you want to yeah. fly, that's what you got to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For most guys anyway. Which but. is cool. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, typically, it's like my brother. He's always wanted to fly. Yep. Ever since he was a kid. I mean, that's all he's wanted to do. I've been more of a boat person. I've always liked boats, and I've liked, I used to like ocean boats, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a kid, and 
I was going to be a captain of a boat and marine biologist and this and that. Oh, and, man. You know Full, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> the, can see how I turned out the now. The package. <laughs> you can see how I turned out now. <laughs> I'm on a river and uh, I'm not, not a marine <laughs> yeah. biologist. Cussing this spruce tree that's over, <laughs> hung up over your bow line. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I am excited about bear hunting. I'm I'm kind of ready. Yeah, you, me, both, and I'm everybody. I'm still a little bit behind. Nick's already killed one. He's already well head of the curve. Can't tell nobody that. He didn't come tonight. He's He bagged it. He yeah, backed he, out. He did bag it. But I can't can't fault him to yeah I can't fault him for getting a bear before us because he's the only one that's been hunting. Well, yet, that's so. the thing he's he's going gung ho, so. putting in the time. But uh, yeah, I'm chomping at the bit too. I uh, I finally like got my as telling telling you I got my confidence up in my my muzzle loader that the thing should go boom when I pull the trigger yeah. the first time. No, I think you're gonna do good with that thing. It'll. It's gonna take care of grizzly bear for sure. I think so too. It's uh, it's been it's pretty cool. Like, and like I was telling you, it, you know, I built it out of a just a Kentucky fifty cal rifle out of a kit, and it was like the appropriate amount of, you know, about set for a twelve year old. So it was like the appropriate <laughs> amount of work and patience that was required for for me to to, to finish it. And uh, things pretty dang accurate, you know, like. You know, when the wind's not blowing too hard, it'll shoot like under three inches at a hundred yards. Yeah, those. I mean, it just this blows. It still blows my mind with like a patch and ball, like. And it's cool learning some of the different stuff about it. Like I had no idea really that the. I guess like because I had never thought of it, but like, the rifling doesn't touch the ball at all. Mm-hmm. It's all that patch the and patch, like, yeah. And gets enough spin on it. It's like a one in sixty six twist, is what mine is. Yeah, I think it's like a thirty eight or thirty eight inch barrel or something like that. It, that's the thing. That rifle is like when you were asking me about them. You know, I mean, I think for the money, the accuracy that those have, they're way underrated. I think for what yeah. what they are and what they can do. You know, and it don't have to be fancy to, you know. Oh, I'd sh- I would shoot like a deer-sized animal at 100 yards with that or, you know, mm-hmm. a moose or something like that. Yeah. You know, and like, and I, I had no idea because I thought guys, oh, well, you feel like shooting a conical bullet or you feel like, do you just shoot patch and ball for practice? But I, I didn't realize that like the, the, you know, the twist rates are different. Yeah. Like you need a lot tighter twist, basically like half the twist rate of that to and it's like when really Frank, shoot a conical. And it's like when Frank was saying before, I mean, you could try it and just yeah. see what it does. I mean, it, that ain't going to hurt anything necessarily because no. you are going to be able to shoot a little heavier bullet if you did that. Yeah. But it may not shoot as accurate. And I, when you're talking that, I would say shoot what's accurate. But I think just the the patch and round ball, it's plenty of weight. It's going to kill it. You make a good shot, it's going to kill it. Yeah. I mean, because if you make a bad shot, I don't care what bullet you got, it's still going to yeah. be a bad shot. So, I mean, it, and I think accuracy does count. I mean, if it's not, if, I mean, if it's shooting a foot group, you yeah. know, that's, that's, let's say you shot the conical bullet and it shot a foot group. I mean, that's a no brainer in my book to use the round ball. Yeah. No even kidding. though it's less weight. And may, you know, it might, you know, it could be at 20 yards of conical bullets turning sideways out of that yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, you, it's still worth trying. It's not that you can't shoot it out of, yeah. the, out of the gun, but. I don't know. It does now, like. It kind of like sold me on the 
you know, <laughs> picking my how traditional are you type of thing. Well, I mean, you know, I, but it, it yeah, I, it's it's certainly fun to shoot and it, like I'm like kind of full bore now. Like, yeah, let's just let's just do it. it and it's kind of like I compare it to a traditional bow versus compound a little bit, or well, it, a bow is still a bow, but like with these rifles versus like an inline. I'm not a fan of inlines. I mean, I'll make fun of you if you have one, but yeah. I'm not against somebody shooting one if they want to. There are advantages to those over a traditional. Oh, for reliability uh, re- and accuracy. Re- and re- reliability. Performance, yeah. But even, even the accuracy, I don't, these can be just as accurate in my hmm. book. Now, maybe not at quite as, at, at a, uh, a distance. Yeah. I think the inlines are going to be able to shoot a little further, but I'm also kind of like, well, if you're going to shoot further, why the heck are you even using a muzzleloader? It's like, yeah. Well, I think a lot. I think a lot of that's just like everyone's naturally going to want to push the limits of what's allowed by the law. You know, it's like, all right, for a muzzleloader season, oh well, how can I get another fifty yards out of yeah. this thing? If if you're not really doing it because you like, you know, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's like. You know, if uh, someone wants to get their bow cert and get a compound because they might have more opportunity, opportunity in a bow season that. than, you know, or like, all right, well, this muzzleloader season, you know, that's another opportunity I could really give two shits if if I'm shooting a flintlock or cap lock or, you know, just it, some modern rifle that qualifies as a muzzleloader, you know. And I do think that's, that is a, that's legitimate, that's a legitimate mm-hmm. reason, but it's also... I don't know. I think a lot of that is lost. I don't know. The nostalgia behind it or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you got people that gripe and complain about crossbows. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's still not the same thing, but it's I don't know. I don't know. Everybody have their own preference. There are certain things that I do agree with. I mean, like you can't use a scope yeah. during a muzzleloader season on a mm-hmm. muzzleloader. I fully agree with that. That's and that's my opinion. But because I mean, to me, if you're going to put a scope on it, you're kind of still taking that step down the road. Maybe it's going to make you somewhat more accurate, but it's also like, well, use some common sense, shoot within your ability, and what your rifle can actually do legitimately, yeah. not because of what somebody else can do with it. Yeah. Well, the general idea, you know, and like muzzleloader season specifically, the general idea is there that opportunity is there because it's a less effective weapon. And like at, at what point, what adding what to it makes it less more effective or, than it's intended yeah. to be or more effective than they want it to be. Yeah. You know? And I mean, it's, it's no different too than compound shooting or shooting a, a compound bow at further distances. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I used to never, like, w- the first 10 years or so of me bow hunting, I never, I was like, man, shooting 50 yards? I wouldn't shoot 50 yards. You know what I mean? And granted, mm-hmm. bows have came a little bit since, you know, from 20 years ago and that type of thing. But I've changed my tune a little bit on that. If you do practice, your bow's tuned properly, you got stuff set up correctly, and you practice you can shoot it further distances mm-hmm. and be accurate. Yep. But it's not something that just somebody that can just go out and do it either. I mean, like if you took somebody down to get set up with a compound and they're not going to be shooting at 80 yards that first month they're shooting. Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe they could shoot at 30 yards. 
mm-hmm. or 40 even. Well, it's depending. just like a super individual thing. I it mean, is. When, but whether you're talking, you know. I guess, but my point is it's, it is an individual thing, but you can't, you can't compare yourself to what other people can do. And I don't think you should necessarily com- uh, complain, you know, that it was unethical for him to take that shot or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If there's you, if you have enough common sense and there's some reasoning behind it, I don't have a problem with that necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just like my grizzly bear that I shot up the freaking a-hole. It's a freaking super deadly shot, man. It killed that bear. Know, you... I mean, it was, and honestly, I didn't like pursue that shot. Yeah. That's what was presented, and I was at full draw and made that decision in my mind I was going to take that shot, you know, mm-hmm. and it killed that thing. I mean, 60 well, yards, that bear was done. And you're shooting equipment that, you know, even if you get a pelvic hit, like it's going to blow through there. And, oh, yeah. Well, and, and it did. It went full length through that bear. Well, it didn't hit the pelvic. It, it was lower, so yeah. it went in the lower part of its guts. Yeah. But it or, went clean through that bear and out its neck. Yeah. And you hit a little lower, you know, like even even if you hit like part of the ham and you're below that hip bone, man, like you're, the ham ain't going to stop it. It's going to be out the chest. Now, I mean, that's one, you know, people, you know, on a bears, that's an extremely effective shot, yeah, especially, especially, you know, especially with a rifle with bullets that are going to do it. It just reminds me like, well, one of these Facebook groups, grizzly hunting, some guy, you know, like maybe a GI or something had uh, posted a video shooting this you know, brown bear on bait just the other day, I think, um, down south somewhere. And uh, had kind of, like, and he admitted, like, he kind of vapor-locked when the thing came in because I'm, you know, everyone's like, oh, that bear be dead 50 ways to Sunday. <laughs> you know, gave a lot of good shots, but then it, it you know, figured out they're there and spooked and took yeah. off running and he sh- shot and, you know, I guess, you know, shot shot it up the rear and, and killed it deader than shit. Um yeah, you know, I, I've I've shot a couple bears like following up for clients, um, like that running straight away, and it, like it say deadly shot. Well, and if you make the shot, it's gonna get it gets almost everything. Oh yeah, it does. So it's like I'm not gonna condone it, and I if I was presented if I was presented that again, I would take the shot again. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna go out there if I have a better opportunity. Yeah. Well, it's all I, it's I, all part of like that situation. You're you know yeah. in that situation with all the factors considered. You're like, all right, I'm going to do this. You know, or or like the extreme quartering away shot on a bear. Like every time yeah. you know, video that one I shot that hit him in the front in the of ham the, in there. the ham. I mean, the freaking front leg stopped it. You know, you're going like if your equipment is adequate, like you're going to get everything. Yeah. But it's uh. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know. That was off the subject of muzzleloaders, but it that just... was which. But my muzzleloader, like I'm planning on, just you know, I'm planning on shooting, hunting a grizzly with that this spring, and then uh, I say shooting one. We'll see if I get an opportunity. <laughs> but uh, trying to shoot a grizzly with that, and then you know, depending on how many opportunities I got of black bears, I may shoot one of those too. Um, but I'm just going to probably treat it like a bow shot. You know, I mean, if I'm shooting my 375, like, you know, first time I see fur, I'm going to figure yeah. out where I need to, where I need to yeah. shoot it and then the bolts going all the way through. But, you know, I figure if I'll be even shooting a patched ball, like 
be totally safe just treating it like a bow shot. Yeah, you you'll know, be just double you'll be fine. Them. I think you'll be a hundred percent fine. But I think you'll be surprised to be honest with you. I it's and it'd be cool. Hopefully you're gonna video it so you can see. All I'm gonna video so I can see the big smoke <laughs> smoke cloud. Yeah. Well, especially yeah, hanging like in the you know dead of night. You know. Oh yeah. Twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning when it's absolutely dead calm. He'll be hanging there for ten minutes. You know. Have the sulfur smell smell in the uh, air. <laughs> I kind of like it. It smells good, but yeah, like you know, this whole learning process definitely high. They're high maintenance, man. They are. But uh. And it's been like I'm figuring out like the way, because it seems like everyone's got their own. Because I've talked to Sarah, you know, you and like a few other guys, everyone's got their own like method for cleaning and storing and stuff like that. And I, you know, I tried the oil because I initially was tried like bore butter to treat the bore and and keep it from rusting. And then like a couple days later, it have some surface rust in there and swap it all out. And then I tried, ah, well, screw this, you know, just oil the heck out of the bore and then my dang powder won't go off you know the first having to pull a bullet and blow it out of there and you know so that kind of threw me for a loop because i'm like i can't like i don't get opportunities that much you know i can't be affording to pop popping cap busting caps on grizzly bears and not have the dang gun yeah. go off well yeah and honestly if you if it does misfire that bear is probably gone oh yeah you're not getting another yeah. shot ever at that bear probably yeah but, well, I'm glad, like, we were talking about it worked because it's, yeah, I don't like using any oil if I can help No, it. I mean, yeah, I, that that got me back to, because I had given you a call and that got me back to the, you know, the boar butter. And I know you said you use windshield washer fluid mm-hmm. to, like, windshield wiper fluid to clean that. And that would be, especially during the winter, you use, like, the 40 below stuff that don't yeah, freeze. Yeah, so it doesn't freeze. I mean, the, like, you're doing hot water and soap, yeah. that's, that's just as good. You know, I mean, it probably depends on certain. Like, if you're out, you know, like on some winter and and that's what time and that's what I was saying when I talked to you about that. I mean, I just I find myself using it all the time because I've got it in my little and it's like three dollars a get or uh, oh yeah or something super cheap. A gallon of washer fluid will last your lifetime with cleaning one yeah. of the things. You know, it's like I don't know. It seems to work pretty good, and so I just I've stuck with it. But I mean, hot soap and water works good. Yeah, and, and it, I think a lot of it too is like we were talking. If you put it in the, you know, use that suction action yeah. of the ramrod with a with a patch on it, cleaning it, up, sucking that stuff up and down. Yeah, and I started that, like initially, I like I was telling you initially, I I was um, just using like hot tap water and dish soap, whatever, and then and it worked okay. But finally, I said I started uh, just boiling the water like in a teapot and filling my bucket and. You know, take the barrel out and take the nipple off, and that pl- mine's got a little plug. Not all of them do, yeah. I guess, but yeah, know, some d- the nipple goes yeah, right into the barrel. Yeah, and yours has got that little offset. Uh, it's like a little barrel almost on yeah. the end, of, uh, on the side of the, the side barrel. of it. But drop that down there, and you know, swab her up and down, and it does like it sucks water up from the bottom up into there, and it with that super hot water, it seems like it it cleans it really fat, like it cleans it faster. Um, because that powder, you know, I'm using Pyrodex, but that stuff's like water soluble. I guess that Pyrodex fouling mm-hmm. um, cleans it faster. It dries quicker, and it like really heats up the steel of the that steel, barrel. Yeah. The barrel's super hot, and then using like a patch, you know, swabbing it with boar butter, and it like melts into the kind of almost like cast iron. It mm-hmm. seems like 
kind of like seasons that steel and rub it all on the outside of the barrel and it all melts in there. And, um, since I started doing that and then before I shoot it, um, before I go to the range, I'll swab it out with alcohol and like make sure the alcohol, the nipples cleaned out and run a couple caps. And since I started doing that, it's been works fine, work, working good. So, and I would say too, um, we hadn't talked about this, but like if you do go out and it's raining, yeah, make sure you keep that thing, keep it in your case or keep it as dry. Well, I got a, I got a, I've got a waterproof sack to throw a rifle case in. And, too. and I think it wouldn't even hurt just to be on the totally the safe side. Like if nothing shows that night, Unload I'd say it. just shoot the freaking thing. Oh, yeah. And then put, Make sure everything's fresh the next go around, just so yeah. you don't have a mishap. Because no, that's what, especially that's, with a grizzly, because you, like you said, it ain't coming back. If you, yeah, if you, you have a misfire, you know. Yeah, you get in each bear, you get one opportunity basically. If you screw it up, they're not coming back, and you may not. Some years you get lucky and get two or three opportunities, maybe in a season, but it's usually not a lot. Yeah. So yeah, no, that, that was my plan. Either you know that one like range rod I had has a screw that you can yeah. thread into the ball and pull it, pull pull that if you need to. Um, and that's so. that's cool too if you can if you can get it if it stays. You still kind of have to you still have to kind of clean. You know, either shoot it or do that. You're still going to have to clean it yeah. a little bit. Goes but, back uh, to that high maintenance. Part. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is high maintenance. It's definitely a lot more work than just throw it away put it in your or throw it back in your gun safe and call it good you yeah know? exactly any of my other rifles i just uh you know wipe them down with i hard rarely clean the bores anymore i, I usually just, i usually clean mine but or just swab them out yeah even if i hadn't fired them you know just swab it out i mean i tape i tape the end of my barrels yeah. usually so i mean chances of dirt getting in there i just i don't know I'm kind of anal retentive about that, like keeping it clean. Yeah, because I've seen I've I'm seen a little bit more of a slob, <laughs> you could say. <laughs> but I am some. very. I don't like. I I keep my mud like you know my 375. The things all covered in gunk and like you know got a little bit of ocean water rust on it and stuff. But it's like I keep it taped. You know, if I'm yeah, I've borrowed I've borrowed a rifle one time that it was. I don't think that thing had been cleaned and. 20 years probably and now I, now I know why it shot so bad too it's like well sometimes yeah some and every rifles every barrel like has its own preferences you know i mean some like different makes of barrels and rifling cuts like may have their tendencies but i mean you could have like three or four of the same rifle and all three or four of them shoot like different loads yeah um you know, one of them may like to shoot, like may start, de- accuracy may start deteriorating after you shoot, you know, 20 shots through it or something like that. It may not like fouling. Generally, it doesn't seem like either the fouling doesn't make a difference or it improves accuracy to a degree. You know, I'm sure every rifle has its tipping point where it's no longer liking it. Yeah. But, and, you know, types of bullets you're using and stuff like that. Let me ask you this. So, like, cleaning, like, that fouling, let's say you never cleaned it and you just kept shooting it, does that cause premature wear of the barrel or not necessarily? I don't think so. It's just the amount of, it's just that amount of rounds you've sent down the barrel that actually is wearing it. 
has nothing to do with how dirty it is inside? No, I don't think. And I've heard different schools of thought. Like, I'm definitely no scientist. I'm bra- I don't really, you know, if a gun I have, like, that I value highly has a recommended break-in for barrels, like, I'll generally follow that. Like, but, I mean, I'll just shoot them. And, yeah, sometimes I'll, like, you know, give them a good, like, cleaning to get the fouling out. But, uh. It doesn't seem to make that big a difference. I have heard theories like, all right, well, you know, for a true break-in, because some, some, like, some barrel break-in, recommended break-ins are like, shoot one round, clean it. Shoot one round, clean it. You know, shoot five rounds, clean it. You know, there's some theories that the most of the actual, like, break-in and smoothing out of that bore are done on a clean barrel because the fouling kind of masks and fills in some of the imperfections. You know, I'm just kind of talking out my ass here but now is that just for break-in you're talking um that yeah for break-in but uh you know that's not to say that i mean i don't know what anything what i'm really talking about right now but that's not to say that that some barrels you may have imperfections that shoot better for one way or better that are you know fouled or maybe sometimes the fouling kind of impedes that barrel working right well, I just I'm the reason I'm asking. I should is, probably shut up. Well, I I, the re, no, the reason I'm asking is like when I shot competition small bore. Yeah. Between every position we shot, we were usually cleaning our barrels. Yeah. We'd swat, wipe them out. We wouldn't like brush them and solvent and all that. But you'd run a patch or two through. Yeah. Well, part of that part of that was the small bore is twenty twos are freaking they're dirty. dirty. Yeah, they are. And dirty. you're shooting, you know, but like we were, non-jacketed bullets that are. But we shot better. I mean, we were shooting good. High grade, like e- either Eli or RWS, yeah. depending on what rifle, you know, my the end shoots that I had, it liked RWS better than it did the Eli, but it was, and you could tell the difference because a lot of times during practice, we wouldn't shoot like RWS because it was so dang expensive. Yeah. You know, and granted, this is over 20 years like, ago. I mean, 25 years ago, but I'm sure it's even more expensive now, but I mean, just, you could tell how much cleaner... And better the higher quality yeah. stuff. Well, was. like I mean, I got a box of I just reached on the shelf of Ely. It's Remington Ely. I don't know all the manufacturers, but it, the stuff's actually subsonic. Um, but Target ammo, like I mean, you just look at that bullet. Like that is not look like a bullet that's going to leave very clean rifling. No, I mean you know they're not jacketed lead, all the all wax the and yeah. lubrication on them. So that totally makes sense of having to accuracy being improved every once in a while by pushing out some of the excess lubrication and whatnot. I mean, and back then too, I mean, I didn't know enough to like really do some extensive study. It was, I was doing it because all the top shooters, that's what they did. Yeah. That's what I was striving for. So I did the same thing. When I, when I was shooting service rifles, started out with, you know, shooting M14. It was, you know, like some of the old, old guys that I kind of, forced to be my mentors in it you know like oh you know you know shoot we'd clean our rifles between the 300 yard line and the 600 yard line and all this and so i was obsessed you know and every match cleaning that thing and i switched over to an ar and i do the same thing and was at a big match in arizona with some guys from oregon that were really like a couple of them are um, top, very top level competitors, and they're like, "What are you doing?" So clean. It's like you see us cleaning our rifles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no, oh, it's well. 
it is interesting though that how you can take the exact same you could take five of the exact same guns, same caliber, basically the same thing, mm-hmm. and how they are going to prefer different ammo, di- you know, different load, yep. whatever. I mean, or a bullet. Yeah, you know, sometimes even, totally different bullets. It's yeah, it, it's weird. You know, like I mean, and that's what's like cool. my twenty five out six shoot nozzler would shoot uh, about three quarter three quarter inch groups of nozzler one ten acubons, but the Hornady one tens did not like them. Hmm. Um, it shoot one seventeen Hornady. Um, it was even shooting out of those like SSTs or something. It would shoot those pretty well. But, um, that's yeah, kind of like a straight across, you know, especially getting like two twenty threes, um, like this AR I have will shoot just loves 69 green Sierra match Kings loves Nosler 69 green, like boat tail match points, the Hornady, like the Hornady 69 green, or is it, or whatever the like most equivalent one freaking does not like them. Hmm. And vice, you know, and other guns like vice versa, it may like like a 75, it may like, you know, the 75 grain Hornady A-Maxes, but it freaking won't shoot the 77 grain Sierra Match Kings or whatever. That's kind of why I haven't, I mean, I've hand loaded, but I don't know <laughs> lots. Was, I have hand loaded, sir. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, I'm just... I, you know, my dad, he'll go down the wormhole. Well, like, you can like, really get, like, way it, beyond down the wormhole, like, past where, like, I don't turn necks or, he's like, yeah, you can get. What what do, you, what do they call it? Like, uh, you don't, do you anneal your brass and all I don't that? anneal my brass, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, I'm like, I've asked my dad about it. Now, he doesn't quite go that far. He doesn't, he's a little more old school. He doesn't buy into some of that stuff, I don't think. But he's. I don't know. He he gets a little more nitpicky than I would because I'm just yeah. kind of like, I want a load that's going to shoot good out of my rifle, and I'm just going to use that yeah. because I don't care if I gain an extra 100 feet per second if I did this load, and I'm like, it's still going to kill the animal. You know? Yeah, that's, well, and sometimes- I mean, I, for target shooting or, like, competition, I definitely can see- more, I mean, every little even, edge. Even for that, sometimes it's not like I don't know worth it, it's, or it, sometimes it, it, or it's easily adjustable. Like a lot of it, and I'm sure your dad's like that. It's the fun. It's the process that's fun. No, and I like it's not like it's it's a vital importance. I mean, I could freaking take like all but like every single rifle I got and go dump them all except my like old Remington model 710 piece of junk 30-06 that I've saved up and bought when I was 14. I could take every old freaking rifle I have and dump it off there and I would not have any trouble like killing animals or it'd be totally adequate. Um, but. And I, I get that because I've already. And I struggle with, I struggle with both sides of it because I, you know, on one hand like sometimes I'm like why do you freaking need that? But I also do kind of like getting nerdy and trying new stuff. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with that cuz I do that with arrows. Mhm. Just like See a 5 gallon bucket out oh, there. I know. That's what I'm looking at right now. But yeah, it's like I can get that way with arrows and so I can kind of see where my dad's coming from, but I'm just like I don't need 
just I don't need somebody at least right now. It's just another. Well, it's like you and your muzzleloader. It's another hobby. It's another. You know, what's cool with that? It's a little easier to, in my opinion, to tune or. You know, oh, we'll add five grains. You know, it's just you yeah. can just pour it on the five, barrel. Five, I'm doing or ten. Ten. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you're you're not having to sit at home and load brass, clean primer pockets, resize, no, do this. I mean, you know true. what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, and granted, the accuracy is still not the same. <laughs> but if if you're comparing a muzzleloader to a muzzleloader and a rifle to a rifle, a centerfire rifle. They're two different processes. Yep. The muzzleloader's a lot simpler. Yep. You know, but it's only as simple as you want to make it, too. I mean, you could go down a wormhole and try to get all, like... I'm going to try not to. <laughs> nerdy, if you wanted. But, I mean, there's still... You're still... There's more limitations with that than there are a, a rifle. I mean, just look at your bullet choices. For yep. centerfire rifle you want, versus that. You want .490 lead balls or .495 lead balls? <laughs> I mean, and some of that I could see probably maybe makes a little bit of a difference. I know when we were casting bullets for like our 45, you know, my dad's 45 and my 45, and we were just casting our own bullets and trying to come up with the right lead hardness. And mm-hmm. and I'll tell you right right now, like, my dad's 1911s that he's got, them things will run any ammo you put in them through the gun. Like, it'll just run through the guns. Mm-hmm. No problems. My XDS, that thing, it's, I'm I'm still having some problems with it right now. Like, hmm. even with factory ammo. I'll get off about three or four shots, and then it jams. And it's almost like, I don't know if it's the extractor or what, just not pulling the like grabbing a hold of the brass when it ejects it or if it's actually cuz there's a spring in there isn't there yeah. well that that runs the slide back the XDS I don't I had a uh, an XD45 like it was not too long after the XD came out it was an XD45 tactical um and I never had for like when I was this when I was shooting well, not really three gun stuff, but like the handgun matches and stuff they had up here. I was shooting. Uh, they weren't leads. They were like lead bullets that were coated in something oh, to okay. reduce fouling a little bit. But they were still like they were super cheap. Um, but it seemed like that gun would run just about anything too. Well, and I thought it was because of the lead bullets because they do they gum up everything. Yeah. You got to clean it way more. You know. And then I switched just to try some just factory, like, I don't know, PMC or something that I bought, you know. Oh. And I had this, I was having some of the same problems with it, you know. And I was like, I don't know. And honestly, I haven't worked on it since. It's just been sitting there. I haven't done anything with it. Get you a Glock. <laughs> I don't know. Or you could be like my dad and just say them plastic pieces of junk. He hates yeah. all those. Anything plastic, <laughs> he hates it. You know, he doesn't like it. He makes fun of me all the time. Get yourself an old nineteen eleven. It's all wore out. It's not all. It'll it'll works flawless every time. Yeah. He's like, there's a reason why these were so good. You, you can know, put it in the mud and it'll be <laughs> slinging mud out the. You know, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, probably true, but I don't know. I like the looks of that S- XDS. That's why I bought one. You know, and it's a single stack, so it's 
it's oh, fairly I see. It's, single stack. Okay. It's fairly compact. Gotcha. And you can put the extended magazines in it, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's a decent gun. Trigger pull on it was horrible. I put a trigger kit in it, which did help. Yeah. But when it works, it's a decent gun. Huh? Yeah, it's kind of hard to, when you have a, a gun you want to conceal carry, but you can only get a couple shots yeah. off where it jams. <laughs> get you a Derringer. It's, yeah, it's like, hmm, kind of this is defeating the purpose have your right dad, now. Have your dad build you, one, a, build you a flintlock, you know, pirate pistol. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Stuff it down my boxers. <laughs> Someone shit their pants, you pull that thing out. <laughs> <laughs> have to be careful in the wintertime. Static electricity might fire <laughs> set it off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, another thing, like, I didn't realize, I mean, muzzleloaders, because I took the, uh, I did the online portion of, like, the muzzleloader class, and I got to go do my field day in July. But, like, you know, I guess just a lot of stuff that never occurs to you because you never, like, look into it or ask the questions. You know, they're like, oh, FFG and FFFG yeah, and FFFG, you know, like, you know, different stuff. I'm like, man, I never thought of that. Like, you actually need a different powder for, like, priming your flintlock. Yep. Yeah, it's, there are some things there that I will say, like, the in the inlines, you know, most people that I know that shoot them, they don't even use granulated powder. They're all using the, the pellets, pellets yeah. and stuff, you know. And I don't even know if one of those would work in a traditional. I I don't think it would you're not, very easily. You're not supposed to use them, I guess, is what what my class told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I don't really, I don't know. I don't have an interest in it really into in that anyways. But I don't see myself like needing to like hurry to get like three shots off in thirty seconds. <laughs> no, probably not. I. I guess th- there is some convenience there that goes back to the whole inline thing being a little more convenient. And, yeah. Well, now you know, now they make, uh, which they came out with them, it was uh, like kind of collaboration, I think, and all because I saw it when I was at SHOT Show, this uh, federal premium and like Traditions teamed up. Traditions made the gun. I saw that. The fire <laughs> stick where it's like literally like you, the powder comes in like plastic cartridges. Yeah that you just pop a 209 primer in the back and all the only thing that goes down the muzzle is the bullet and it has like a seating ring yeah. that you just seat that, you know, sab it or whatever up against that and then pop the powder in the back, which, you know, if I was a guy who is like, you know, I'm only muzzleloader hunting because this gives me a special, you know, season and I don't care. I'm going to take every advantage I can get and, you know, assuming it's legal there, I'd be like, it's pretty cool, but... uh <laughs> Not if you're like it's, a, not if your dad, no, don't, probably don't tell your dad that, that exists. No, cause. I'd hear <laughs> over Mother's Day, I heard everything about the government, COVID 19, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah, if I told him about that, that would have came yeah, up. Don't, too. He doesn't need to know that exists <laughs> right now, or the, <laughs> he'd be writing letters probably. Yeah. I don't know. I, like I said, tech, people are always trying to reinvent the wheel a little bit and make things better or a more modern version of something. <laughs> it, it is, it is funny. Like you look at that, it's like, oh, it's almost as if, what if we could put the bullet in the cartridge and have <laughs> <all> one piece? <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. I, 
<laughs> that's not something I would probably ever buy, but myself included. I don't just because it doesn't. I don't know. I'm, I think differently. Well, I, I guess. think this like I, like this was it was fun to build and and you know like if I get to do you know like a few muzzleloader hunts that they have up here, you know, if, gives me opportunity to do that. It'd be fun just to do it with that. So yeah, and I think it'll be plenty adequate. Well, and I think you're liking it so far. I think yeah. I don't know. You, I think you've been pleasantly surprised, probably by by it. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, even the accuracy. It's fun. I mean, yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, it is very accurate for way more accurate than I thought. Like, I mean, like under three inches at a hundred yards or so. You know, yeah. at at fifty yards, you know, you're like shooting inch and a half groups or more accurate or than less. shooting nails out of a smoothbore. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I had the question. I, well, I asked Frank, and then I asked you. I was like, "What about? What if you could you like you could in theory jam like two patch balls down there, right? Because that's not any more weight than like a heavy conical, and guys are shooting those with the same powder charge. You know, I was like Frank's like, "Oh yeah, you could. Guys were dumping nails and rocks down there. You could do anything you want." <laughs> yeah, I'd just go to Home well. Depot and get my bare load. I guess. Yeah. Some sixteen penny nails. Down the... Stick an arrow down your bow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they already made one of those. Can you too? use that during a bow season? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Use the trad veins because they kind of flex to the. Yep, yep. You can bend them. You, you got. You got to. Uh, you got to. Uh, you got to make the helical you the same as them the... with the the helical the same as your right the same you're... direction as your rifling. <laughs> oh jeez. I am using trad beans though. Well, no reason. I, I got no reason to use feathers. Yeah, I haven't got to try those things yet. But I haven't honestly shot my trad bow either since Tom was here last, <laughs> last spring. This time, so it's been a year. You know, I don't know. I was talking to Temple about that tonight. I was yep. like, "Yeah, I got, I got to do it." But I'm just like, I don't know what it was. My motivation factor for bow shooting this whole winter was just not where I wanted it to be. Even with my compound, I didn't get it out till about a month ago. Yeah. Me and Nick Rice fishing. I said, hey, you'd be proud of me. I got my bow out and shot it the <laughs> other day. I freaking shot that thing all winter, you know? But Nick's like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he shot that much this winter either. Didn't need to, apparently. He's killed way more stuff in the last couple months than we have. But Yeah, that's true. Well, he's been going gangbusters. He's just. He's like the Energizer Bunny when it comes to, he gets his mindset on something and he's freaking go, go, go. Yeah. Which my, I, uh, nothing wrong with that. I just. Which my, early, uh, reminds me earlier today what my wife is saying, my my daughter and my son's the same way. It's like, she just gets something in her head, you know, and she got to do it. You know, we both like turn around, we're both pointing at each other. <laughs> Get some plan, idea of the way things need to work in your head, and then that's yeah, that's the way it's got to happen. Which it's that's definitely me too. No, I think we all have some of that. I I tend to go in phases. Like Temple was saying that too. He goes, I haven't really shot that much this winter either. Just just not. He goes the winter before. He goes, I shot all the time. You know, and he's like, this yeah. last winter I did. And I, I find myself doing that too. Like I kind of take this roller coaster, oh, me, you know, yeah. sometimes I'm just like, eh, you know, and I don't know what it was. I, I, I told him, I said, yeah, I didn't trap this winter. 
I thought, oh, I'll have all kinds of time. I'm going to get to do this and do that. Wrong. <laughs> it didn't really seem like I had yeah. that much more time. <clears throat> yeah, no, I hear you there. And I, I mean, I shot a lot this winter because I, you know, the going to Lancaster thing was a good, like, motivational. If I've got something to that's on the horizon that, you know, I want to be shooting good for, that helps me anyway. I mean, yeah, I've still well, been it's struggling. A goal. It's like, a goal I, I've been you. struggling with some stuff. Like, I've been shooting really good up close because that's all I've really been doing. And, you know, I start, I've started backing up, you know, 40, 50, 55 yards. And it's uh, definitely, uh, I got some rust to break out for sure. Just a different, like, I, I've, you know, have learned a lot about myself too. Like, I, and it's what I did at Lancaster too, is get so, like, caught up in aiming that I forget how to shoot my bow, basically, mm-hmm. at those longer distances. So, there's always stuff to work on, but well, I'm yeah, gonna, now I'm like, oh, shoot my muzzleloader in the morning and shoot my bow in the evening. Well, and that's and that's the, that's my problem, you know. Work ten hour days, and when I come home, I'm like, I feel like going to sleep. <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily tired always, but it just seems like I don't. I have a, a short period, Rec- of, yeah, period of time before I can I can do some of this stuff before I do have to go to bed and yep. do it all over again the next day, you know. And it's like. And then the photography thing, I've been concentrating on that a lot more, and it's just been... Yeah. How do I get good pictures of swans, Matt? Like, with the <laughs> wings all lit up and and sparrows you gotta get and... You got to get up really early in the morning. Uh, but I do... How about if <laughs> if you take me to your spot and, like, you set up my camera and, and then... I'll get the coffee ready, and you push the button, and then I'll push the button at night because that that'll help me take these good pictures. So, apparently, <laughs> I'm 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 the prick because I don't give away my secret spots. Yeah. I tell everybody it's my secret spot because they want to know where I take photos. Yeah, because now you get, some you get quite a few like good like wildlife photos and yes, but some like the swans. That was a place that everybody and their freaking brother goes yep. around here. And that was why I I didn't want the same run-of-the-mill photo that everybody else had. Yep. So I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning when the sun wasn't even hardly up and went out there and sat and waited and waited and waited and waited until the opportunity was there and I got the photo. But, I mean, I was happy with it. That I was mean, a great I, photo, I thought. I don't I mean, know that much about photography, so it could suck, but... Well, I mean... It was appealing to me. <laughs> there's always things that you can do better, and there's things that I would know that you probably wouldn't, and that other most people don't know, and I think, yeah. I think somebody's lying to you if they say that, you know, a photo is always perfect. I think the photographer that took it is always going to find some flaw or something they could have yeah. did better, whatever. But I, I just look at it like I'm always learning. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to get better. And I think I can go through the history of my photos, and I can see that they I have been getting better, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's my goal of what I'm trying to do. But I enjoy that. That's something I like to do. I mean, the day that I, and hopefully it's not anytime soon that I don't hunt or anything. I mean, I would like to do that even more. That's the that's the problem I have now. Next year, Matt's going to be like wearing this shirt that says "Shoot him with the camera." No. <laughs> no, I'm not, but. That is, I am a lot of times torn though, when I go out to hunt, that's what got me into doing that was going out and hunting, you know, and just 
be in places that other people haven't been as that well, often and, or don't see that and often. And you see stuff that you're like, man, I wish I could had a camera and I could take a picture of that. Yeah. But it's still like, I'm not lugging around my 600 millimeter lens when I'm sheep hunting. No. As much as I'd like to, I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you get caught in that whole dilemma of like, do I want to take photos or am I here to shoot an arrow at something, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, you can do a little bit of both, but it's hard to be good at one thing because if one thing that I've learned in the past probably two years of doing the photography is you got to be patient. You can't rush and make things happen. Yeah. And even hunting can be that way, but some of the better shots that I've got, I haven't rushed. I've just been patient and I've, I've set my eye on a particular, I don't know what you want to call it animal or like those swans Mm -hmm. i set up for two waited probably two hours the camera was on those swans for that entire time i didn't deviate and try to take pictures of ducks flying and Mm -hmm. i didn't take pictures of you know these swans over here um for the most part i will say i probably did a few times but but you're waiting like you're ready for the opportunity when it presents itself yeah because i've been caught before where i'm not ready Mm-hmm. And I miss it. And you can't redo it. So, I don't know. That's what it is. Go ahead and make fun of me. I'm going to post the sunset pic- picture tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you do that. <laughs> Just for you. Just for me. All right. Hashtag cut talk. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, no, like that's some been some pretty. I didn't, I had to, that showed me what bird that was, that white crown sparrow or whatever, because mm-hmm. they just showed up the other day. I'm like, oh, oh, look, new birds. Usually I just, I text a picture to Frank and be like, what's this bird? Because he's, yeah, he's he like seems the, to know a lot about he's birds. He's the resident bird watcher. Well, I think his parents, like they did, they were big into that and taught, taught them a lot about birds. They had bird watching books and stuff like that. Out sheep hunting is always like, oh, is that a Siberian gotchock or, <laughs> you know. That's, I got a bird book. It's about that thick and. Typically, I used to lug it around with me. Yeah. But now I'm like, screw that. I'm just taking pictures of the birds, and when I get home, I'll I'll go through the book and look it up. There you go. And you don't find want to be out. that guy, look. Yeah. Oh, in the moment, hold still. Yeah. Well, and that's the little bird photography is somewhat new yeah. for me. You know, I've been trying to do it more, and it's just because it's opportunity. There's a lot of them around, and mm-hmm. you can just if you're. A lot of them don't turn out. Them stupid things move around so fast. Yeah. It's like you, you got to. At like least I, it's digital and you're not dealing with rolls of film. Well, and that's true. Well, one day I went out, one day, and I shot 1,800 photos. Dang. Actually, it wasn't even a day. It was probably in a period of about five hours. Wow. And I had to sort all those photos, and I think I ended up with like maybe 250 or 248 or something that I like was like, okay, these are all keepers that I need to go through again. Mm-hmm. And then kind of it's not just like junk, 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 junk. Yeah, yeah. Usually those are all the all the other ones. They were junk. Yeah, like they were. It was blurry. wasn't focused. You know, composition was horrible. Something or other. You know, there was a reason why, or there was multiples because you're shooting at a high frame rate a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So I mean, on that one that one bird there, you may have taken fifteen shots. Yeah, and they all look exactly the same. It's like okay. Pick the best one, get rid of the rest. Mm-hmm. And I used to be bad about, I'm still learning the file management side of stuff. Yeah. 
in the beginning, I man, I like saved all kinds. A hoarder, of, <laughs> photo gosh. hoarder. Gosh, it was bad, and I'm still sorting stuff from like five years ago. Oh man, it's it's a nightmare, and it's a <laughs> it's a whole another rabbit hole you can go down. I'm telling you. Jeez, yeah, I. Uh... Well, and speaking of little birds, I started here when I seen a thrush the other day, a hermit thrush. Mm-hmm. That we finally, that's that's bear season right there. That, like that a, gets me excited every spring, you know. Yeah, first you hear that night, sound? The first night you're out and you hear them like echoing around. Yep, and, that is cool. I will say that the, the photography has made me be more aware of like that sounds that you hear mm-hmm. i don't know like when it comes to a lot of these birds i don't know their songs and all that oh, type either. of thing but i only know that, that because frank like well frank it up sounds like year. he does there's a guy i work with i call him the bird guy yeah he knows everything there is to know about <laughs> birds if i have a bird question i ask him because he tells me and i'm like okay cool and it's not just alaska like it's around the world this guy knows everything about birds and i'm going he he could even well, I won't say he can imitate the song, but he knows what it sounds like. Yeah, you know if he heard it, he could he could tell. You, all he's got to do is hear the sound. He could tell you what bird it is. Oh wow! And I'm like, how the heck do you do that? Yeah. I can tell my you my entire if, life. It's like <laughs> like birds were separated into can shoot with a BB gun and can't shoot with a BB gun. <laughs> me, me too. It's like, <laughs> I used to shoot them and put them in a cardboard box and oh, bury man. them out in my backyard. It's like my trophy collection. Jeez. <laughs> We we could all yeah we I guess growing up we were pretty limited we could all down we could always shoot we could shoot starlings like shoot all the starlings we wanted we weren't supposed to shoot sparrows. Well, I wasn't supposed to, but I did. Uh, I may have shot a few, <laughs> and I wasn't supposed to shoot crows. I remember this is back in Missouri. I don't know why because I think you can. I'm not yeah. for sure, but I think you can. But my dad always told me not to. One day there was some sitting out of the power line by the house, and I was like. <laughs> Whack one of those things. So I shot it and it flew off over by the field by the house and it died. And I was like scared my dad was going to find it. So I went out because he farmed, you know. Yeah. And it died out there in the field. So I'm out there in the field looking for this bird because I was going to get rid of the evidence. Mm-hmm. And I never could find it because I figured my dad was going to come across it when he was out there on the tractor. Yep. But he never said anything. So apparently he didn't find it. Maybe a coyote <laughs> or a fox or something yeah. ate it. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. Definitely the the world of little boy, which my son he just well, I kind of skipped the BB gun. He's four. Did I? Did you see that video of him shooting his twenty two the other day? No, I didn't. All oh, Mother's Day, we were down at the farm, and uh, last fall, I I just couldn't resist. I bought him one of them little like savage like little rascal twenty twos, oh, yeah. and like the Davy Cricket type. Yeah, type the thing little or cricket kind, and. Uh, single just a single shot bolt action i put like bought the biggest cheapest red dot i could find and put it on there and my thinking was like he's at the time like three years old he's not iron sights aren't going to be happening yet but if if like all he has to do is see the dot he could be looking with the wrong eye or have his head out of position if he can see the dot he can hit Hit stuff yeah and i mean he shot he actually shot a couple birds last fall with it and uh yeah i remember when he shot some grouse and uh but hadn't really shot it all winter. Took it down there, and uh, it, well, it only took him about two shots. And I bought him one of those little spinner rimfire targets that's got about a three-inch gong on the bottom, you know. And be dang, he he went through freaking like two boxes of shells 
that day. I'd, I'd let him shoot like about 15 at a time, then make him take a break and go play. And, you know, 20 minutes later, can I shoot my 22? And had him to where he would, you know, like all this is, of course, extremely supervised. But then I like all winter, even with his toy guns, like drill gun safety in him. Yeah, make him tell me the rules of gun safety. Yeah, <laughs> I used to do that with my kids too. But he uh, he got it to where he, he'd like load it, you know, close the bolt. Shoot, hit the target, unload it, get another bullet. I'd dump, I'd dump 22 bullets, five at a time, you know, kind of on the right side of him there. And he'd pick them up and definitely a proud dad moment. Yeah, that's every, cool. Every time that gong would ring, he is, he got, he was, like I said, he shot two boxes of shells and was hitting like eight, eight to nine out of 10 usually. That's good. Yeah. And I'm going to shoot the top one, dad. Okay. All right. Ting. <laughs> I think that thing, like you did with the red dots, a good, good idea what i did with my kids i used a i did the i used a scope yeah but i just drew i drew crosshairs on the target yeah and then just had them line the crosshairs of the scope yeah. up on the the crosshairs on the box or the target mm-hmm. and that really helped them because i think when they're especially when they're real young they don't comprehend that the sight picture and the way they're supposed to especially iron sights I know adults that don't even know how to line up iron sights. Yeah, no kidding there. You know, and it's like. Well, in the eye relief, you know, another thing, the nice thing about that red dot too is there's no eye relief. So, like, you're not, I mean, I remember when I was a little kid. like Yeah, you my can dad's, be close or back Shooting or my whatever. dad's 22 and you're, like, trying to, you know, and if, like, you know, he, I just want him to have fun. And, and like, it's important for them to be able to hit what they're aiming at yeah. sometimes. If well, it's a confidence if booster fun. for him. And, uh. You know, no, like I, you know, like his head's, he's holding his head too far back and whatnot, but you know, try to like gently, but that stuff can come with time, you know, yeah. and kind of, but if he's like having fun and hitting what he's aiming at, I mean, shoot, he's four years old and like no help, just on a bench, you know, and he can aim and squeeze the trigger, not yank the trigger hard enough to miss, you know, at 15, 20 yards hitting a little gong like that, like pretty I don't have too much to complain about. No, not at all. Well, and there'll, there'll always be those moments, too. It's just like Dylan last year when Tom was here. Yeah. Whatever, you know, the pointers Tom gave Dylan and the things that clicked mm-hmm. after he had left, it's almost like he went to the next level. Yeah. With his accuracy and just things that he was doing Tom wrong. Tom Clum we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. But the, the thing, the accuracy, I mean, I... He was shooting fifty yard by he was shooting fifty yards by the end of summer last year. Yeah, in the yard practicing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't let him. I don't think shoot an animal at that distance yet. But up to that point, I mean, he was struggling at twenty five yards. Yeah, and in a matter of two months or less, because what Tom was here in June, mm-hmm. I would say less. It was probably like August, middle of August. You know, I was like, hey, let's walk. Because, I mean, you're shooting at 40. I'm like, hey, let's stretch it out to 50 and see what happens. And, I mean, just, you know, so. Yeah, well, and it's like, it, and there wasn't like a lot, but, I mean, I, yeah, because I was here, it was like a few things well, like that click. Yeah, it can make a huge difference. Well, and I think that's what he, he just needed, he needed that. And I think he needed it from somebody else besides yeah. me. And it was stuff that I actually, you know, the stuff that Tom told him, I wasn't telling him. Yeah. So, I mean, it came straight from Tom, but. I, it was a big confidence boost. He, he loved it, you know, and it was like, I'm glad that he was able to take that next 
step, you know. Oh, yeah. And it's like I was telling you earlier, here we are, bear season, and we're retuning his bow and lengthening. I mean, he grew from last year to now two inches in draw. He's shooting 28-inch draw, <laughs> and he's 14. And I'm like, he's going to be like you by the time he's, he's going he's gonna to have the problem of uh, a 31 or whatever inch draw. Yeah, and, almost 32. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm just like. Yeah, there's kind of an advantage to that, but there's going to be, you might run into some problems. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, there definitely is is some advantage, like, well, like, I don't know how many times Tom's told, I'd kill for your draw length, you know, and, but. Yeah, yeah he's, he, fairly, he, he's fairly short draw length, isn't he? Yeah, what does he shoot like, for draw length? Right about 28, I think. Oh, okay, that's or not 28 really and a half. Bad. Not short, but, you know, almost four inch. you know, 32 is like four inches. Yeah. That's yeah, true. so it's it's a little, which my you know, and mine mine I think varies has varied a little bit. It may have shortened up a little bit because I got I've gotten over the winter better in tuned, like my movement and, and like I've spent looked at so many videos of my shot. Like basically, there's something that I like. I thought I was collapsing a little bit because watching the tip of my arrows, I'd transfer to hold the air tip of the arrow would go forward. It's like the more in tune with my, like, into my back, I felt like I couldn't stop that. I tried, like, tried looking at it every which way and finally have decided that it's because my, I'm getting my elbow so far into the string and that, that, and my, I'm, how do I say this, like, that makes sense, like, I'm using my back so much or, like, in back tension so much, it's pulling my whole like the whole shoulder unit around like it's camming over oh. and actually shortening where it goes past my maximum draw length and i'm still adding tension i see but it's yeah. it shortens like as i transfer to hold it shortens my draw length because it goes around like the maximum it's distance. almost like a high point and then back to a yeah, I mean it's yeah it's it's like it, a it's over a it's over a well it's like a cam just like you said yeah. it's over a a, a point yeah or and, peak, uh, whatever you want to call it you know and so i mean yeah going back and forth with tom and he taught he talked to uh like his body mechanics guy and that's just guys just expert on how the body works and all and he's like yeah that's absolutely possible like and i guess with my build you can do that so i mean it's not anything i can control but that's, it's that's it's, and that's interesting you say that because i would venture the bet there's differences between everybody oh big time yeah so i mean whether it's flexibility or just like the length of your the proportions of your arm bones and your shoulder width and all that stuff goes into the you know the positions you can get into well it's like me i was talking to temple about that because i told him i said i haven't shot since tom left i haven't shot my recurve and well, I won't say I haven't shot it. I did shoot, but I didn't really gain anything, I guess. Yeah. By shooting. And, you know, I was like, I just kind of decided that I, right now I'm not, I got to, I got to have the time and sit down and make the time. And I think if I start over, I'm not even picking up my bow. I'm not picking up a bow at all. I'm just using the stretch band with the problem that I have. Yeah. And that's and that's what I was leading up to is the way that I am, whatever or why, if it's a muscle a muscle mind connection yeah. of why I cannot relax my bicep and my 
right yeah. pec muscle and all that. Because that's all it was. Is like you're, you're, it's not like, allowing it was, me to it was get so, into my back. So tight and tensed up that, you, yeah, it was just like, like not possible. Yeah. Because Tom would, he was like, okay, relax your bicep. And I'm like, I can't. It wasn't, I mean, same thing with my chest. And yeah. obviously if the chest is tight, you're not going to be able to get expansion, into your back, yeah. expansion to get into your back muscle. And that's where I'm like, I maybe I just need to do the stretch band. Just keep doing the stretch band over and over and over and obviously go through all the, all the, uh, like modules and stuff like yeah, that. I'll have that, to do, I will, solid I will program. have to do them all over again, I'm sure. But it's, yeah. And it's, and maybe, I don't know, cause I'll still go back through them and like there's stuff, like there's just more and more I pick up and it's almost more frustrating sometimes because the more I learned about it, the like, it's like, I know what I'm doing, but why can't I, why can't I do it? Or, you know, like I was telling you, you go out and shoot, you know, I it, and that's what I've been doing is shooting up close and just inst- use an instinctive aim up close and, you know, it's easier for me to like let the aim go and just kind of look at the target, like almost like let it go blurry. Yeah. As I, in easy for me in my mind to switch over to just focusing on running a good shot and like where I need to be and what I need to be feeling. Um, but like when I, for first time back up to like 45 yards or whatever, I start using the tip of my arrow to aim. I'm like, I mean, I totally forgot how to shoot. Like I can't, I, it's like, I can't force myself into position and feel those things and it's all like for me it's all like a a mental thing with that that gets tied to that aiming so like it's just going to take you know very like careful for me it's going to take very careful like lots of practice using that aim like focusing on like just the motions of the shot just like I do up close it's just, it's a slightly different position. Like my, my bow arm shoulder tends to come up when I'm using my point to aim. Oh, okay. Cause I have to lift my hand a little bit more, you know, if I'm shooting that far to get and and my shoulder wants to come up and then I'm out of like out of alignment and it's freaking toast. But, uh. Well, and that's what I was thinking with that whole, the band thing using the stretch band. Cause I feel like. No matter what I do, like aiming or the draw or any of that, if I'm not relaxing the bicep and everything, yep. all that other stuff doesn't mean a hill of beans to me, really, because yep. it, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's what I'm kind of thinking along the lines of not even picking up the bow. Maybe I'm wrong in, my, in that thinking. No, but, but like a... Yeah. I, I'm almost like I got to get... I got to be able to start relaxing this stuff and actually get into mm-hmm. my back first or at least know what that feels like. Oh yeah. Before I can, cause I think the other stuff that's not hard. Like, okay, I'm going to, I won't, I shouldn't say it's not hard, but it wouldn't be hard to be like, you know, getting your hook right and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But they're like, the, you know, I think you're along the right lines. Cause there especially when there's some major like issue like that, that you got to sort out, you kind of got to eliminate as many of the other issues as you can while, you know, and then the, like they're, in a shot like that, it seems it's. I mean, you know, it's super overwhelming at first when you're getting blasted with all this info. Yeah. Like, I got to do this, that, like, because it all works together. Yeah. To, you know. But I guess what I'm saying is, I can be, I can have my hook right, my and and all this stuff come together up to that point where yep. I, I'm getting ready to 
expand and go into my back. But if I can't do that, I'm kind of at a standstill there. You know oh, what I'm yeah, saying? To- yeah, totally. So, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think that that's, that's, you know, eventually, like, you, you know, you have to address it with the bow too, but that that's well, like, I, that's and, a good way to, or probably the best way to sort through, like, an issue that you have, you know, is, is freaking, because you got to know what it feels like before you can do it with a bow. Yeah. And you got a million other things going on too. Well, and even, like, Temple told, said that tonight, because we were talking about that a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, we were... When he was messing, he told me, he goes, I was messing around with the stretch band, you know, and he goes, once I actually felt that, what that felt like, and then he was able to repeat it, he goes, it was so much better because he knew how to get to that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I feel like I can't get to that point, so I don't even know what it feels like 100%. I mean, Mm -hmm. times that we shot and you kind of like tweaked me around and I could feel it, but it was like, you physically had to like position my me yeah. to do that you know what i mean yeah and it's yeah and i believe me I, it's been there it's a credit it's super frustrating I, well, I mean i even I get just, frustrated with it, it like and it's not totally different for me right now it's just a more of a tweaking level like you yeah more smaller smaller after tweaks. i first went and seen tom come back like it would be like a week that I couldn't even get into my back. Like I couldn't remember how to do Like I'm trying, trying, then eventually it like clicked a little bit and then, but yeah. So, I mean, definitely like stretch band work like that would, I think be a big help till you can with some consistency, like figure out what you need to do to, to get there. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like I said, I just haven't devoted the time at this point. Well, if Tom, Tom gets to come up, come up here in a few weeks, maybe. <laughs> The only thing I, round two. I, the only thing, yeah, but the only thing you I, just bring your stretch band over. I know. I I feel a little bit bad because be like, oh hey Tom, yeah, I haven't worked on anything <laughs> since you left last year. We're starting at the same point whenever you left, you know. But it's like I don't know. It just because <laughs> he turns around with a crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would probably decline that, but. <laughs> I'd rather keep shooting my compound. <laughs> oh, he would. Ne- yeah, he would never do that. But it would be funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like I said. I it's still something I want to do. But I'm. I'm. I guess got I'm, a lot of irons in the fire, man. Well, and that's like that. It, that is the problem, you know. And I mean, it's easy to do. You know, everybody gets stretched thin with all the different things, and I've always been that way. I've always had too many interests and stuff, and I'm like. Well, you know. Look, have you have you looked around here? I know, I know, same, you know, I know what you mean, and I really put out an effort a little bit this year, just with no trapping. I figured that that would free up some time. Yeah, that I could shoot bow, or like I said, I concentrated more in my photography stuff. Yeah, but we it, got quite a bit of ice fishing done. Yeah, yeah, did ice fish some. I still wanted to do more of that than I really did. Yeah, but. You and me both. It's like anything. <laughs> you know, we still had some good trips, you know. Oh, not, yeah. We're not like old Nicholas, though. Freaking like, he called me up, I'm in the lake. You, you going to come? You know, it's like, <laughs> holy cow, man. He has got the bug gets, right now. He got the bug for it, yeah. He caught a lot of fish this winter. He did. He did, he did good. I mean, I will give him that. Definitely did good. I'm trying to think of something smart ass to say, but 
and we'll just we'll just let that go. Yeah. He was supposed to come over tonight and he he bailed, so Well, 2 weeks ago when I went I'm driving through North Pole and he says he texts me and he says, "Hey, I just passed you on the road. Looks like some fun was had." I said, uh, "I had to go to the lake one more time." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the snow was like gone here. It was like 50 degrees on yeah. the lake, you know. And uh he's like, "Man, I thought you would invite me." And I'm like, <laughs> You told me you were putting your bait out. That's why I didn't even ask, you know. I was like, I figured you were done. Oh, man. Well, half the time that's just like, yeah, that's kind of, you just make your buddies feel bad for, oh, thanks for. Oh, I know. (laughs) I'm sure he was, too. Then I sent him a picture of the fish that I caught. (laughs) But it still didn't make up. He's, you know, make up for ones he caught this year. He He did really good. Caught some good ones and. Yeah, I was happy with our last trip. Me and Frank kind of discussed that. Well, oh, we discussed was... it twice on the last. <laughs> oh, the, the, yeah, the Talk. podcast that didn't work. And yeah, then the, the other podcast one. didn't work, and then the, like, no SD card. And, oh, it was a shit show. Oh, yeah, the last time you guys did it, yeah, you it forgot to show. record. <laughs> well, I didn't forget. I just are, forgot are to recording? put an SD card. I am recording now. I've checked about 15 times. But, uh. Yeah, well, that's easy to do, I guess. Not just forget the yeah, it's all, that's only happened twice, but yeah, well, so it's like my first moose. I don't have any pictures of my first moose because guess what? The camera had no film in it. <laughs> I my dad have... lugged around that, that camera <laughs> the entire moose season, and of course, he blamed my mom. Oh, you didn't put film on the camera. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't have pictures of my first moose, just uh, I have some. I have a couple somewhere of like the head back at home. Yeah. But uh we didn't even have a camera. We weren't even moose hunting. Yeah. I I don't know. That's one cool thing like you said about digital nowadays. I mean, yeah. there's cameras well, on the everything. Dang, the freaking are like iPhone cameras are better than any digital camera like we could have ever imagined. Yeah. 10 years Ten ago. Y- yeah. So it's it's that's pretty incredible what they can do like I, I the past couple of years I haven't even brought my uh, my DSLR. I mean I don't I'm I'm no photographer, but just use use your phone. Use for, my phone yeah. or like I I did bring a little digital that takes like pretty decent pictures, but end up just using the phone pictures because they're just as good or better. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, you do stuff with magazines, so it's like they say. I mean, if you mostly cell phones take a higher high enough resolution image anymore that they can print them in a magazine can't they i mean i think so i mean i don't for the most part most of my i don't know like if my photos get used they're pretty usually pretty pretty small but uh well i i um, don't think they're gonna be able to blow them up huge no but i mean i think they're usable usable in a a print magazine probably that's even with my even my my camera that i'm doing photography with i mean especially with these little birds Mm -hmm. i'm finding that Having a higher resolution camera would be a huge benefit because I could crop a lot. I mean, I'm already cropping. Yeah, the the image to to get that you know closer shot, but there's no way I could blow those things up very you know to a large scale. You start getting pretty grainy. Yeah, I mean, I could do you know twenty by thirty and stuff like that if you wanted, but. You're I'm not talking to be able. I'm to do talking my, like you're not going to be able to do a print for my whole like garage wall. No. No, probably not. Of a little chickadee? Not of a chickadee. Of other things, yeah. Stuff that I didn't have to crop, I probably could, but... Like a raven sitting on a dumpster. Is that what you want? I should do one for you in here. 
Yeah, speaking of that, our local camera shop here is closing. Yeah, of this whole I, I heard that the whole thing, which is a bummer. Deal, it is really. a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I inter- I'm just like I think it's going to be the the economic effects and like the fallout with businesses and stuff like that's going to be unfolding for a while to I, come. I, I for do sure. too. You know, and yeah, I don't you, know. It, you just can't make up with like basically all your income getting going to zero for two and a half months or whatever. You, most businesses just can't. No, I think they're running a pretty tight uh, margin monthly, yeah. margin for a month to month or whatever it is. Yep. I don't know. The story I got to with them was, you know, a lot of their business was tourist related. Yeah. And there ain't going to be no tourists. There ain't going to be no <laughs> tourists, you know, and even the wintertime, they do a lot of the Aurora stuff, yep. you know, the Asians here taking photos and whatever. Well, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of <laughs> Japanese and Chinese tourists yeah. in the winter came over and, yeah, put the kibosh on that. Yeah. For the so, time being, anyway. It's it's a bummer deal. I mean, I it really surprised me when I found that out. I really did. I was like, for one, it's our only legitimate camera place in town, Mm-hmm. you know. And any prints that I got done, I was getting done there. Oh, gotcha. You know. You weren't ordering them? No. And so now I'm going to have to change my whole, in a huge deal, but my my dilemma is is I like to sign my photos and hand sign them. I don't want to, it's going to cost me more money, which now I'm going to have to mark up stuff even more. If at least the way I'm looking at it, I don't want to do some digital signature Mm -hmm. from the print shop down in you know, California or wherever. Yeah. Um, the only other way around it, at least that I can see is to order the print, ship it to me, sign it. Then I got to ship it back out. You know, see what I'm saying? Unless it's local. So if a guy orders you like that Swan print, do you sign it with a a Swan quill that you shot from (laughs) The swan quill pen. I'm never going to hear the end of it, am I, with that? The swan photo. No, that that was, it was a good photo, man. I, I saw that. I'm not, I'm, not, I might, I'm, I'm not exactly a swan connoisseur. Well, I'm but, not necessarily uh, either. I'm but just. But it was a free, it was a cool photo. Well, I was, I was happy with it. It did turn out good, but I, whether I, I probably won't sign it with a swan quill. It's probably. Can a, you shoot swans? That's probably I, a legal option. <laughs> You can't, you can't around here. I think out west you can. Yeah. Under some, I don't know. I know that like fishing games had been trying, well, I don't know. From what I'd heard, the state had been trying to get um, the tundra swans opened up oh, okay, yeah. in the interior various times because the population of them is totally sustainable and huntable but the feds been kind of blocking them saying they're doing research or some garbage well anything like with waterfowl that's a any waterfowl federal type bird i guess is a whole different animal yeah but i i I know in some places they can they can hunt them up here and down in the states there's places you can hunt swans something i would like i would like this fall to shoot some cranes yeah would be fun. I just, I just, I'm used, always doing other shit during that. Well, man, when, me too. But I just, I, I think it would be kind of fun. I mean, and they do taste good. I mean, yeah. My dad used to go down to Delta and do that. Yeah, if you can hit them right, it can be some fantastic hunting too. But I don't know. 
I'm not a big, my extent of bird hunting is grouse. I like grouse and ground sluicing them. With well, <laughs> honestly, I don't ground sluice too often either anymore. It's like, no, I just shoot them with a 22. Usually. Well, I, I just, I went with a guy that I, the bird guy at yep. work, me and him went out one time and I'm always like, he would make fun of me because he's like, man, just shoot that thing. Get it. <laughs> you know what? I'm just like, I'd be up there kicking the leaves and making it fly. You yeah. know, I'm like, eh. I'm a purist. I want it more sporting. I'm going to shoot it out shoot of the Shoot it air. four feet off the end of the barrel <laughs> as it's flying up in the air. Straight away from me where Straight it's easy to hit. <laughs> you ground sluicers. <laughs> Got yeah. your upland, your like khaki vest yeah. with a little shoulder pad there. Yeah. What's those, what are those hats they always wear them? Uh, like a Stormy Cromer or something like that. Well, they do that, but there, a lot of those people in Europe, I've seen they they wear like a. It's almost like I don't know. I call it a golf hat. You know what I'm talking about? Like the oh, I think it so. Snaps down and it's got like a snap. In oh the front yeah, of it. I don't yeah. know what they're called. But, I don't know either. But yeah, got your little yeah, you, got your pipe hanging your out. Pipe, yeah. Yeah, I could picture that. Got your your over under that you you care you. Oh, I'm I'm really a purist. I like side by sides. So, oh, yeah, I spoke too soon. Which I do. I do like side by sides. But I uh, I was thought when years ago we were shooting that spring bear when um, there's told that spring bear 3D shoot down in Wasilla. That's mm-hmm. at that Grouse Ridge Trap Club or whatever. Is that really, the one you went to like three, four years? Yeah, ago? Yeah, it was uh, more than that ago now. Was it? But it was it was a really fun shoot. Um, and. I'm sure it got canceled this year. I had wanted to go to that, but anyway, the trap club, you know, and one of those nights, like they must have league or something. People showing out of their Parazzi vests or whatever. And it kind of reminded me like shot show, you know, these fancy, super fancy over under shotguns. And maybe one of like, I was, I told Nick, I was like, Oh, we go do this again. We'll have to go to value village and get like the ugliest, like Bill Murray golf outfits, (laughs) like golf attire you can. And then, Bring just like a rusty old like Mossberg down there and go walk around with high society and shoot the play their game. I would love some of those shotguns are gorgeous. Oh, very I mean, nice. Yeah. I would love to have something like something fancy like that. One at least one of them, but probably never will. But uh, I there was a time when I was into them. I had. I got some books on a lot of them old shotguns that I was just like researching and like, oh, these are really cool, you know, and I don't know. I'd go to, I think Barnes & Noble carried it, and I don't remember the name of the magazine. It was like a, like, kind of like a leather-bound magazine they used to put out, some kind of a, a, it wasn't sporting journal, but it was was a I was more of a shotgun (laughs) news kid myself. (laughs) this wasn't even close. It was like literally like a leather-bound magazine they'd put out huh i'd have I'll, i got them i'll have to bring them over yeah. and show them to you sometime but they have like it was all about you know classic side-by-side shotguns and double rifles because i had a fascination oh, with those nice. for a while i went through that i'd still love to have one of those you know but anyway it that's pretty high-end stuff um a little higher end than <laughs> Yeah, that more. I got than... the old Stoger Coach Gun Classic. <laughs> That's what you should take to the track. Yeah. <laughs> Throw a hell of a pattern at 15 feet. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, I'd do it. You'd have trouble with them like 30 yard 
pigeons out there. <laughs> My dad shot here at the trap club for a year or two here in town. Yeah. He had a lot of fun. He kind of he kind of quit doing it there for a while, but yeah, it's fun shooting that stuff's fun. Yeah. I'll usually get a well like one or two days a year down at the farm or whatever. We'll bring a couple cases of pigeons and what's fun are those little ones, those mini ones. I've never seen those things are them. hard to hit. Yeah. We used to go out every Sunday. I'd take Lisa out and we'd go out sling clay birds and my dad when we first got married, that's what he had to buy her a, a, a gift for her wedding shower, yeah. even though he wasn't there. Yeah. And it was a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> she was kind of embarrassed, I think. Here was she was opening up all these things at her wedding shower and she gets this one and it's from my dad. <laughs> and it's a shotgun. <laughs> I guess it could have been worse things from your dad. Well, that's true. Yeah. She was a little embarrassed, but she still has it. Yeah. Must not have been that bad. No. I mean, it's a little short for her. She had a hard time hitting stuff with it. Yeah. And that is something with a shotgun is super important is fit. Yeah. As far as being able to hit what you're aiming at, just because of the way you're aiming it or pointing it, I guess, if you want to call it that, but... Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I'll hit better. I'll hit stuff better with certain shotguns than. Oh, definitely. You know, I'm sure it has a lot to do with that, and even length of the barrel, because that where that bead is at. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Oh, it, yeah. Oh yeah. It changes your the way your eyes looking down that barrel. <laughs> I don't know. It's I that's a whole. I other. don't need to get into shotguns or trap shooting. <laughs> Hey, why not? Just be another another rabbit hole. Just be hole. another thing, yeah. But, uh, yeah, man. Freaking bear season. We probably better wrap this up before too long. Got anything Anything else brewing this spring or just chasing bears? Dylan, yep. pretty excited to get out. Yeah. Yep. We're going to grizzly hunt, get the baits put out, and that's about it. I don't know. I'm ready to do it, though. I haven't even put my bait out yet, so I'm hopefully next week going to be doing that. But it's still fairly early. It is a little early. Typically, uh, I'd like to be out, but... I've had mine out... Today's the 14th. Yeah, I put mine out last Tuesday. Um, I'll probably go check it again Sunday. I checked it a couple days ago. There hadn't been anything on there yet, but it's one of those any day type things. Yeah. But usually I say around the tenth is whenever I put mine out. Yeah. But, or my river. Usually bait. I try to get mine out on the tenth or, or by the tenth. Yeah. Um. The early. Well, last year, I don't know. Last year threw everything off because it was such a early breakup. You know, I think I had, I had my bait out in April last year. I remember just, that you told me you're like, oh, got my bait out. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? He's way <laughs> early compared to usual. Yeah, and I don't know. I just did it because I could, but it. it I you know I keep well, tell myself the same hurt. thing. It doesn't hurt, but you're just depend on the year. Like some guys, up, you know, around here, I think are already getting some black bear action. But I mean, it's like a this is the time frame when it starts happening. Usually, you know, and every year's the same thing on Facebook. Oh, I've had my bait out for five days and it hasn't been touched yet. Should I, do you think I should move it? Like a new bait site. Yeah. It's like scroll. <laughs> I I had a. A guy asked me about that the other the other day, or last week, I guess it was. You've had it out five days? How many times have you checked it? <laughs> well, he was just asking me, like, 
he hasn't baited before. Oh, he yeah. Was, he was kind of asking me, like, what to look for and different stuff. And, you know, and he's, I don't think he's going to be, like, super serious, like, every year type doing mm-hmm. it. I think he just wants to shoot a bear on a bait. Yeah. I kind of gave him some pointers, but I'm like, you just got to put something out, too. And yeah, well, there's see. nothing. And I was like, you know, sometimes things do get better with time. You can't expect it to be super hot bait the first year, even though that does happen. Yeah. But it doesn't always happen. No, things will change and some baits will get better over the years. I mean, there's, there's just not in the long, ultimately there's not a substitute for just putting the time in and developing a site, but they, you know, a lot of sites never get even great looking spots. Sometimes never even get hit. You yep. just gotta. Well, I had one last year like that and it was close to one of my good baits. Yeah. And didn't get hit all year. Well, I mean, one we put one we put out a couple of years ago. It was one mile from and in a super good looking spot. Um, it was one mile from another bait that had uh, I don't know how many bears were on there. Frank killed one. My dad and his buddy each killed one the next night and saw sit like four other bears at the same time. Yeah, you know I mean, so there was at least like seven bears using that bait that you knew of that we knew of. And we didn't have any pictures because the first bear that came in there ripped the trail camera off. And uh, the the bait, like a mile away in a perfectly good looking spot, great stink bait, didn't have a single bear touch it. That, that, and that's weird to me. I mean, I I don't know what the answer is for that. I mean, I think there's certain yeah. I think there's certain things you can look for. But it's not always ultimately. Gonna... It's just fine. I mean, sometimes like yeah, you could have a really good spot, but a hundred yards over there is going to get better. Where it's the right combination of them feeling comfortable and catching the wind at the right time. You know, I don't know. Well, and I think just the wind. I, I think trying to after thinking about this and kind of kind of the answer I told this guy too was you know. And my, I think you got to be somewhere where the wind's going to work for you to get your bait mm-hmm. sent out there. <coughs> Excuse me. More than, because the further that scent can go. Oh, the more th- chance. Of, the more yeah. chance of it catching the scent of a bear. Yep. And I would think that's kind of the more important thing. Yeah, that and like, you know, prevailing like yeah, the prevailing, prevailing wind. winds. You know, you yeah. may have a, a weird year where you get a weird, you know, where you get some good winds into a certain spot and there's bears all over your bait. But if the prevailing wind isn't that, it may, that spot may not be super productive year yeah. after year after year. You never know. I don't know. Well, and like on a river, you don't want the wind blowing out across the river, in nope. my opinion. I mean, I would want the wind, the prevailing wind to be blowing into the trees yeah. away from the river. Yeah. Even well, though the wind is going to, it's going to change. Well, and even when the wind I think is blowing, you know, sometimes like, yeah, I think it'll blow it maybe across the river and a bear can smell it. But a lot of times the wind, I think if it's blowing back towards the river and this is like my, you know, pseudo scientific re like opinion on why I think that like one of the reasons I think those moose, those cow moose keep their new calves out on those, those uh, inside bends. Oh, okay. Islands and like inside bends, like the tight bends in the river out on the willow bars and stuff like that. Um, I think once you get out on the river, like the scent, like the wind kind of funnels up or down the river 
depending on wind direction. You know, it's not like if the wind right now is blowing back towards the river, that scent's going to hit the river and do something weird. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily going to be like straight line straight across, across the river. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I, and I agree because the wind does go up and down the river, and yeah. with temperature, even thermal temperatures oh, up yeah. and down the river, especially at night. You yeah. know, like I mean, that's when I, that's when I always see them out there, is middle of the night. night you know, yeah. like after they've dropped their calves out there on those, on those kind of inside of the horseshoe. Yeah, bends, and I don't know. I could be totally could be some totally different reason. I think I think they can protect them out there a little better. I do too. And I, mean, I just, I've, I just think that the bears can't smell them as well. You know, the bears traveling up and down the river, like they typically, unless they have a reason to, are not going to go like out on those peninsulas. They're just shooting cut bank to cut bank yeah. if they're traveling. I've noticed where my the one bait is. Those moose are on them islands. Yeah, they get on them islands, and I think they feel safer there. Oh yeah. Now I don't know, like the calf. I mean, I'm assuming that calf can swim probably fairly quick. Yeah. But I don't think that, I think there's just less likelihood of them bears traveling to those spots. I'm sure, oh, yeah. I know well, they well, do. Some of them mo- and some of them moose may calve out on those islands too. Well, that's what, I'm, that's what I mean. Yeah, because I know, I mean, I know like them bears can smell when them cow- those cows are getting ready to calve. Yeah. And they'll like just follow them. Yep. So that probably... You know, some moose figured out at some point that if they jump in the river and swim out there. Well, prime example. I before had a, they calf, the bears can't track them out there. And I even think, well, and I guess they could still track them, but I've had a cow and a, a fairly newborn calf walk right through my bait <laughs> and then cross the river and go to an island right by my bait. Huh. And it's like, are they just going out there because they feel safe? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's. I was just thinking, I mean, you guys are in the wrong spot yeah. right now. I was like, there's bears crawling all around here. You're going, been, yeah. you're going right through the middle. You're going right through the middle of the, of the, you know, you're at the bullseye right here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've seen, I've, there's been a couple times I've got pictures of cows with like new calves walking through bait site. I'm like, I would get out of there if I were you. Yeah. Not, yeah. not a good time. Not at all. No, they they can be hard on those calves. Well, they are. I mean, some of them grizzly bears will kill like 30, 40, 50 of them a spring. Yeah. If they get the chance. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, I don't know. I don't know either. So we'll sign off, but yeah, freaking good to catch up with you, man. It's, yeah, uh, you too. Been a, been a little bit, probably, yeah, since we were ice fishing about a month ago since I... Yeah, we haven't talked a whole lot lately. Been busy. Been holding doing grudges or something. No, everybody's <laughs> just been busy. I mean, it's this time of year. Yep. You know, kick, kick I'm sure we'll gear. be, before long, I'll be getting text to pictures and, well, Nick already had <laughs> his experience. We got to oh, we yeah, gotta we'll catch be, up now. Yep. His, his plan is this weekend to shoot another one is what he told me, but I'm like. Yeah, we'll see see it's kind of yeah everyone i get i I get antsy this time of year i'm just like "Ah." yeah we got to uh got to get some get some bears in the boat get some blood in the boat so anyway we're just rambling so 
thanks for everybody for listening. And uh, if you if you enjoy Tundra Talk, I appreciate it if you leave a uh, good review, hopefully on whatever uh, platform you listen on. And uh, and yeah, thanks for listening. And if you have any qual. Uh, Freaking, I'm falling apart. If you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundratalkak.com. Thank you. We've only had one beer, too. I had. <laughs> oh, geez, embarrassing. <laughs> Thank you.